Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice, episode 136. I'm in a great mood today. I'm recording this on a Monday, and I had I have such a fun thing to tell you. So, okay, so I've been talking a little bit about how my live show is happening soon, and I just want to, like, make it clear because I think... I've talked about this before on like the the like monologue episodes I've recorded, but I think I have a tendency to like undersell or kind of like apologize for some of my like creative endeavors like, oh, I don't know, meh, it's just a thing. And I'm really trying to stop doing that. So I want to make sure that I'm like very clear about the fact that this live show is going to be fucking epic. Um, I am hiring like a whole slew of artists to do like lighting design and stage design and costume design. It's like really, it's a concert. It's like everything you want from a concert, but it's also like a visual art experience and kind of like a performance art experience. And, um, because it's a concept record, we are going to go through the hallowed wide in real time together. And it's going to be so cool. So I wanted to tell you that last night I had the band over for dinner, um, the live band for the show. And we did like a little lore night and like listened through the record and like looked at the map and like, you know, talked about all the symbols and the metaphors and like, anyway, it's just cool. And I want you guys to know that I'm not just like, oh yeah, whatever live show. It's like going to be amazing. So if you are in Utah or anywhere near Utah, even if you're in Utah, but you're in like Southern Utah, come up or down if you're in like Logan for this show, because it's going to be like spectacular. Um, and if you are elsewhere, not in Utah, but you've been thinking to yourself, Hey, I'd really like to go see some of those great national parks in Utah. October is a beautiful time to visit Southern Utah, like Zion and like Moab. Um, it won't be, it'll be like not too hot and not too cold. So, you know, listen, just plan a trip around my show if that feels like a fun thing. And if you don't live in Utah and you can't be here, I I am filming the show. Um, I'm having Ryan Margetz, who did all of my music videos, film the show. And I think I'm going to keep that like... Um, I'm not going to make it public. So you can kind of like... I, I'll figure out some kind of a way to like, you know, sell tickets to the digital version of the show at a later date. Um, so, you know, but it's going to be better in person. So if you can, please come, um, tickets are on sale and the link is in like my bios and they're only $10. It's going to, it's $10 a person and it's going to be like an amazing art filled experience. So please be there. Um, track nine, uh, is announced or sorry, track 10 of the album yes, is announced by now. It's called Boundless. And I am really excited for this one. It's maybe like the most kind of um, broadly consumable song on the record. And also like I left some like really exciting riddles in the lyrics, some of my favorite lyrics I've ever written. And anyway, I'm just excited. So tune in, get caught up um, on the hallowed wide and be there with us because it's it's going to be it's going to be like, I think, safely, nothing you've ever seen before. And I mean that, you know, I'm serious about it. 
And I'm also excited because today's episode is a really, really special one. I talk a lot on the podcast about, you know, this idea of kind of like soulmates and, um, you know, going out into the world every day, like prepared to behold and receive wonder and to be looking throughout the world for as many of your soulmates as you can find. And I don't know if I've been talking about this on the podcast or if I've just been talking about it in my conversations in real life with like my friends, but I've been thinking a lot lately about how these like soulmate connections, like they come on different planes. Sometimes a soulmate connection is just like that friend that you have like the exact same sense of humor as or like a friend who just like gets the weirdness of your brain in like a really particular way or a friend who you just feel like very physically comfortable with or someone that you just have like a great chemistry with and you feel like you know either this is a person that you like spend your life with as your life partner or you think like hey in another life like we could have been married and it would be like you know so there's all these different kinds of soulmates and I feel this way about Doug um I hope he feels the same way too and that this isn't weird but like there's just a specific, very specific wavelength that I feel I share with Doug that is like rare and precious. And he summarized it in this, ep in this episode, um, we were talking about like this, this kind of combination of, of being like deeply, um, you know, kind of anti-authoritarian and like having like just a deep mistrust of authority and kind of like a rugged like individualism in that way but also being the kind of people who will be at a friend's service and like want to collaborate and are like so eager to kind of like please in that way and it's such like a beautiful dance between like these two kind of seeming um you know antagonistic character traits and I really feel this way and I feel like it's something about me that a lot of people really struggle to understand and I just feel like Doug is like the same kind of person in that way just like so incredibly delightful and like the sparkliest one of the sparkliest humans I have truly ever in my life met and then also like a rebel you know it's just like the most beautiful combination of things and I'm like I say this all the time but like I'm so grateful for this podcast for giving me like the opportunity to meet so many different kinds of soulmates and I just love Doug and like I'm so just thrilled to have met him and to you know have him as a friend and you know look forward to like hopefully chatting lots more in the future so um um, yeah, I'm really excited about this episode and it's, it's, it's a good one. Um, okay. I want to introduce you a little more to Doug. I'm going to read his bio now. Doug Wagner is a comic book writer best known for his dark comedy horror work on Image Comics Vinyl and Plastic. He's also recently finished three successful Kickstarter campaigns for Thomas River with Brian Stelfreeze, Yumi, Spy Fatal, Batty Royale with Hoyt Silva, and Narco with Daniel Hilliard. Um, some of his other works include Batman, Arkham Origins, Legends of the Dark Knight, World of, World of Warcraft, Bloodsworn, and Gun Candy. Over the past 15 years, Doug has written for such companies as the CW Network, CBS, NFL, True TV, Summit Entertainment, in Entertainment Warner Brothers Pictures, Legendary Pictures, DC Comics, Blizzard Entertainment, Image Comics, Dynamite Entertainment, Top Cow Productions, and 12 Gauge Comics. He currently resides somewhere in the mountains of Utah where he conspires with his three rescue cats about felines ruling the world, reads tons of comics, and attempts to grow the oldest 
the oddest succulents he can find. See, sparkly. And I have to tell you, so when Doug and I recorded this um, interview, he hadn't announced his newest um, newest chapter in his plastic series. But so the first, um, so he has this, he has this series. We, we talk about, or uh, rather different stories in kind of the same universe. Um, I think he said, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but that they call it the materials verse. Maybe that's just me. We talk about it in this episode, so you'll know. I just listened to it a couple weeks ago, so I can't remember exactly. But the first um, book in in the universe is called Plastic. I just bought myself a copy. It arrived a couple weeks ago, and it is beautiful. I will like post pictures of it at some point soon and like maybe read a section of it on like a, you know, TikTok, Instagram reel or something. Um, but it's so stunning. And then the second story in the universe is called vinyl and Doug and Daniel just announced the third, um, the third, uh, piece, which is plush. And we talk about it in a lot in this episode. And I joke that it's going to be polycarbonate, but it's plush, which is just perfect. Um, so if you love comic books, um, and you love comic book writing and you love kind of world building, you're going to love Doug and you're going to love his works. So, um, yeah, I think that's all I want to say. Thank you as always for being here. I really just, I feel like I'm, I've said this a couple times, but I feel like I'm sort of like right on the cusp of like, um, a new kind of artistic chapter and I'm feeling like a new level of kind of magic around this podcast and these conversations and feeling like it's maybe a bigger, like more powerful thing than like, you know, I thought before. And, and this conversation certainly feels that way to me. So without further ado, please, please enjoy this conversation with my good friend, good new friend, Doug Wagner. Enjoy. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists, and I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. I'm ready to let go of some you know, some things. So how's that for a, like, how's that for answer? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> what have you been up to? Just, you know, working. Yeah. I mean, obviously with the pandemic and stuff, it was like. When were you here last? <sighs> I like, I was trying to think about it this morning and like, I, I don't know. Like it could be, it could be like four months or like 15 Oh yeah, exactly right. I like mean, I really don't with the know. pandemic, it's it's so hard to tell. Is um, the volume okay for you? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay, Your voice sounds really nice on the mic. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> you have like that perfect timbre. Um, I had a teacher once that said like, uh, like just some people's voices like just ha- are the right like th- color for a microphone and like just the mic picks them up well and I feel like you have a voice oh, like thanks. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, before we talk more, I feel like I should like, just, I have to tell the listener. <laughs> I just yeah. have to tell. Um, Doug was here a while ago and we recorded an interview and, uh, my computer just like 
died halfway through. I, I think I didn't realize it until like several months later. Um, and I was really sad cause I had loved talking with you so much and I was really excited about the interview and I thought there's no way he'll want to come back. So I'm really <laughs> glad that you're here. I really appreciate it. And oh yeah. I can't believe you think I wouldn't co- want to come back. <laughs> that's, that's, so, that's so nice. <laughs> I mean, it's far and it's like kind of a long time. And anyway, it really means a lot to me that you're here. Cause I, I really want people to hear from you. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. So, so it might be like a, like a slightly different interview because, um, I don't like, we're not like friends separately, but also I, I'm not meeting you for the first time. Right. <laughs> so it's exactly. It's kind yep. of different. Um, so, uh, I, I have been thinking about some new things that I want to ask you. So the, the listener won't know what the last interview was, but, I, but I'll know. <laughs> so, well, let's get started the same way as usual. So, um, do you want to tell me about what your, uh, childhood was like in terms of your creativity like what what were your very first mediums what was your creative mind like what were you consuming oh man as a as a kid I was a first off I was I lived in a pretend world where did you grow up again Florida okay and so I spent most of my time I just I didn't fit in anywhere so a lot of my time was spent by just Doug playing by with Doug and so I had to create things. Right. Did you have siblings? I, I forgot some of this stuff. My mom's been married a lot. Okay. So I would go through phases of I'd have siblings and then no siblings and then have siblings. So it was like this weird like, but even then, like even when I had siblings, I never really fit in with them. Yeah. Um, there was always that, you know, stepchild kind of like, yeah. you're not a real brother kind of thing. That's really hard. Um. I, I can imagine, I mean, I felt like that in my family, in my biological family, <laughs> right. hashtag scapegoat child. Um, so I understand, I understand some of that. Um, did you feel like you fit in like with your mom? No, no. Mm. My mom was, my mom was an absolute gorgeous woman. Mine too. Hence yeah. being married several times. Mm. Um, she was very popular in high school. Um, that kind of thing. I was kind of the exact opposite. She fit in everywhere. She was kind of a little bit of a party animal. Yeah, We didn't talk about this before. Oh, no, no. But uh, same. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my mom was only married once, but all of that other stuff, true. So continue. <laughs> so it was a weird, like, there was a lot of times I was taken along on two parties, adult wow. parties, where, again, Doug had to find a way to entertain himself because there'd yeah. be no other children there. Wow. And I mean, you know, some people were like, oh you know, that's horrible. But to be honest with you, like I didn't mind, like right. I didn't fit in with regular kids anyway. Yeah. So it was like, Hey, just give me something and let me go play yeah. and I'll create. Yeah. I think like for my early creativity, it was a similar type of problem solving. Like, you know, like, um, you know, joy and play and comfort isn't being like handed to me, but like I, I can find it. At least some of the time, it's not to say that I wasn't like deeply troubled some of the time as well. Um, but yeah, I certainly feel like my imagination was like good and essential company as a child. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was my only company, right? Yeah. You know, as a child, it was just like, and you know, when you talked about like the mediums and stuff, like, like as a child, I did it all. That's yeah. what, you know, looking back on it, like I wrote stories, I wrote music, wow. you know, you know, obviously played in your fantasy land of whatever that might be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I just loved all that stuff. And, you know, now that I look back on it, you know, it's like you were lonely, but at the same time, I'm glad I was. Yeah. Okay. One of the things that I have been thinking about in the last few days that I like thought I wanted to talk about with you is uh, something I've been thinking about too, 
I feel like maybe one thing we have in common in terms of like our, our present day mediums is like we both write, like we're, we're both writers in some ways. When I write lyrics, you write comic books, but I don't, I'm not sure that, that, uh, I mean, when people think of a writer, I think lots of times they're thinking of like a novelist right. or like maybe a poet. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, like, I'm sure you've thought about it. Like what, what is a writer? And like, do you feel like there was evidence of that, like in your childhood? Oh man, that's a tough one. It is. I think um, about it so much because yeah. I think I identify as, as a writer, but I always feel like it's something I need to like prove or like kind of defend. I don't know if you feel like that. Oh, I mean, anytime you tell anybody, anytime I tell anybody I'm a writer and they're like, oh, what kind of books do you write? And you're like comic books. And immediately that's, I'm, not, I'm no longer a writer. Right. Yeah. No, I, I thought that that might happen to you. Mm -hmm. Um, that I feel like that happens to me too. I mean, I, I have the luxury of like, I can just introduce myself as a musician, but when I really think about it, like, I think I'm a writer whose medium is music. Like, but I, I feel like, you know, so, so yeah, like what does like being a writer like mean to you? I think for me, it's, do you create stories and do you, write them down in some form. Yeah. Period. I don't care whether it's poetry, writing poetry. I think music is basically poetry in a lot of ways. Um, Short stories. I don't care if you write hakus, you know, like little three sentence, you know, you're a writer. Do you feel like part of it is like the way that you observe and like take in the world? Like, I, I think about that piece of it a lot. Like, does it, is, is that like an essential part of like being a writer? Like, looking for stories? I think so. I think, I think you have to be, I think it's key that you're one of those people that loves to people watch. You just, you can go to the mall and sit in a chair and you're fine for an hour just watching people and just listening. I know that sounds kind of stalky, but no, no, (laughs) I do it too. I mean, well, people are so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I was wondering, like, did, I, I, I thought about asking you this question and I thought about what kind of th- kinds of answers you could give and you're giving the answer that I thought you would give, <laughs> which is great, which means I can ask the follow-up question, which is like, were you doing that as a kid? Oh yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, do you want to tell me more about it? Um, I mean, you go back to like, I would go to these parties with all these adults and watch them just get silly. Yeah. You know, of course I'm not drinking right. or, or doing any kind of drugs or anything, yeah, but you're watching them look like. and you're like, is this normal? Is this is what normal people do? And um, my dad's, we called him, he's kind of my uncle, but he wasn't like biologically my uncle. Okay, my really my dad's father just took this kid in wow. when his parents kicked him out. And he ran a dance company that also did like trapeze and all this other kind of stuff. Circus people. Right. And we would go, this is the 70s. So yeah. we go over to his house and he had a pool. And it wasn't uncommon for everybody to be nude. Wow. This is the 70s. So you got to remember like, and I'm standing there going, is this like, because at my pool at my other house, nobody was ever nude. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah. So you'd sit and like just, and I would just take it in. Even as a kid, I just didn't realize like, and maybe that's why I didn't fit in because I spent more time sitting back observing versus like engaging. And I'm like, these people are just right. And you could tell they were uncomfortable. There was like that weird, like more uncomfortable and then you mix that with like yeah it was just me watching people that's so interesting maybe that this is like unknowable but i'm still curious what you think do you feel like that skill or like that kind of um interest like watching people like do you feel like that is something that you would have had 
like had you not been in kind of like a situation where like you kind of had to think about things that that way that's a tough one i mean and obviously it's, it's like unknowable. you said it's, it's unknowable <laughs> yeah. um but i do think that if i would have fit in better I wouldn't have been sitting back by myself observing people. Cause yeah. I think part of that was me trying to figure out how do I fit in? Right. Problem solving. Like, I think that's maybe one of those like things that I personally kind of like would put in that box of like, what's a writer of like paying attention. And then like, I think, I think the other thing that's like a core component is like the organization of the things, right. like the connecting of dots, the like weaving of a narrative and I feel like for similar reasons, I spent my entire entire childhood doing that as well. Like just trying to interpret like the the chaos that I saw behind closed doors and then the very prim things that I saw not behind closed doors. And just really as a child with very limited data, also asking that same question of like, is this how everyone's families are? Like, is this normal? And um yeah, I mean, I think that's a burden for a child. Like, I mean, I don't even mean just like emotionally and like in terms of trauma, but just like in terms of like, you know, uh, processing. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I can see, like, I think I felt similarly, like I can remember back to being in like elementary school and just, I don't know, like definitely having a slightly different experience, just even in class, you know, than um, some of the peers, I think, cause I just, I think I just had to think about adults differently, which you probably also had to think about adults differently. Yeah, that's, and it, it, I think that one's a really interesting one because I, I talked to friends about this and even as a kid, and I'm, I mean, I'm still very, if you tell me to do something, I immediately rebel. But if you ask me to do anything, I'll help you. Oh my God, I'm the same way. Um, I had very limited respect, I guess is the only word I can think of for any kind of adult. Yeah. I didn't trust them. Because I saw how they acted outside of, right. you know, work. And, and you're like... Most kids have no reason not to trust adults. Right. Yeah. I and mean, like wow. I said, I mean, we were going to parties and stuff and you see people doing crazy stuff and, you know, just out of control. And you're like, um, wait a minute, you're supposed to be the person watching out for me. Right. Um, how are you not going to have an authority problem? <laughs> right. Exactly. Of course you'll have an authority <laughs> problem. Yeah. I feel like I'm the same way though, but I also people please like, it's yeah. like a duality. Like I love people. I'm so interested in people. I'm so like, um, eager to like get to know a person. But then, yeah, as soon as someone like is acting like an authority, I'm like, I know you're bullshit. <laughs> like I you can't believe any of it. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, yeah, I feel like that stuff for me is so deeply woven into my relationship with creativity. And I feel like it's a, it's a difficult thing to like ask someone you just met about, but I didn't just meet you. So I can ask about <laughs> it. I love it. Um, so, okay. You had all these mediums, you were writing stories. Um, when you were said you were writing songs, like were you playing an instrument? Oh yeah, we had this, I don't even know what to call it. It was this tiny, like about a foot and a half wide, little piano? a little electric organ. Like a, you plugged oh, it in. Like a glockenspiel? I don't know. what. I mean, it yeah. sat on the floor. Interesting. But yeah, I would just sit there and I'd, I was never good and still can't, I played music, but I couldn't read it. Yeah. And so back then I would just, I had a really good ear. And so yeah. I would like figure out songs and just kind of do it by the way I, I like the sound of it. Yeah. Um, do you remember like what your, what your motivation was like for doing all these like little projects that you were doing? 
I just loved it. You just loved it. It's yeah. just like curiosity. I mean, one of the interesting things I found out, it's, it's crazy to think about this. Like just a couple of weeks ago, I was in a, I was in an ill mood. I wasn't having a good day. And I said, you know what? I just need to sit down and write. Yeah. And that was the first time maybe ever. And I know that's crazy at my age to think this, but like it was the first time ever that it clicked in my head that I feel better when I'm writing. Yeah. And I think it, as a kid, I just felt better about me and life when I was creating stuff. Totally. I wrote a whole essay about this like a couple years ago. <laughs> oh, nice. It's a self-soothe. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's, well, tell me now, uh, tell me this. So I have found the same thing. Like, I think I've, I mean, I had this revelation at a younger age, but I'm still piecing together like the other parts of it. But I, I think it's, it's really obvious to me that creativity in whatever medium, for me, it's usually writing too. And it's more, most frequently writing prose. Like I think I write more prose than I write music. Um, I write prose like every day. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm sure you do too. Like even just, even just like, you know, responding to comments like on social media or like, um, you know, I don't know if I like watch or hear something that I'm, that I'm like moved by, like I have to write about it. I have to put that into words. Um, anyway, I think I, I think I realized at a pretty young age that doing creative things was the, the best possible, um, you know, way to manifest joy in my life. Like it's like magic, you know, you could be feeling so bad, you know, sit down, draw something, write something, cook something, feel better. You know, it's just like, it's, it's a, it's all, it's almost always true. Um, but then like the sharing of the things is like a minefield. Oh yeah. Do you feel like you've like trapped yourself in this way? (laughs) (laughs) It feels like a trap to me sometimes. Oh, I mean, eh, the, the sharing part I think is the toughest part for almost all creatives. Yeah. Um, there's some of those lucky people that don't have a problem with it, but like you said, I think we're both people pleasers. So we want everybody to be happy, but when you give them your work and I think for me, one of the biggest pieces of advice I got early on in my career was from Brian Stelfreeze, who's an artist. And he said he had this, he has this amazing way of, he either wants people to love what he's drawn or hate it. Mm -hmm. Anything else in between. And this is what he's telling me is a failure. Yeah. A meh is bad. Yeah. Interesting. I've never thought about this, but like I, I have like, I bicker with Andrew, my husband about this all the time. Cause I'll show him something that I'm really excited about. And if he's like, if he's like, great or like, cool. I'm like offended by that. (laughs) Like I feel like, sorry, cool. Like, Come on, give me something. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's okay. Have an opinion. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think I, yeah. Like knowing that you've invested in something, it's like you need like a, a percentage of that investment, like back in the, in the, in the, in the feedback, um, you know, yeah. Negative or positive, some kind of an investment. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I struggle with this too. And it's, um, I think we want we obviously want somebody to enjoy it as much as we did. And it's when they don't, it's just feel, it feels like, I don't know, there's a failure on an epic level. Like, I don't understand why you don't love what I clearly love. Yeah. What do you mean? Like a failure on an epic level? Like, I feel like I, like, I know what you mean, but like, Mm. what do you mean? It's, it's almost soul crushing, right? You're like, I put, it's more than effort to me. Like I put, not only did I put all this, all, all this effort in it, 
but I love it. Like, I'm like, you have to see this. It's so cool. And you're excited about it. And then somebody goes, eh. And you're like, what? What am I missing? Yes. It's like you, it makes me like gaslight myself. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It makes me feel like, do I just like not understand like anything? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Have I wasted my life on (laughs) all of this? This feels like undeniably cool to me. Yeah. And like, not like cool, but like cool, like a different kind of a cool. Um, Do you remember a time that you started feeling that thing like not the rejection thing but like the i love this like kind of thing oh yeah stuff you had made oh i started early yeah. i mean i was i was and still am into heavy into science fiction which when i was young you never told anybody you were into science fiction because wow. that mean, meant that meant you got beat up wow yeah, yeah that's different that's yeah. different from now but i loved it as a kid and can you think I, of why <laughs> I also I love loved that. sci-fi as a kid. I'm like, I'm a bit younger than you, but also <laughs> I think it was still not totally mainstream when I was a kid, but, um, but yeah, like I read a wrinkle in time when I was in like the oh. first grade, it's like one of my favorite books still. And was just like, can I have more of this? And my grandma was like, that's called science fiction. And I was like, <laughs> okay, great. I think for, uh, you know, I, I can only speak for me obviously, but I, I'll think, I think being a creative is that observant. I want to see as much as I can see. Mm-hmm. And knowing that there's this vast universe yeah. that we could go out and see more of. And even if you see just a little bit of what we can see from our planet and you go, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. I wanted to see more. Right. Oh man. I so relate to that. And I've said this on the podcast a million times, but that's how I felt the first time I heard jazz, which yeah. is what I ended up getting my degrees in. But it's a similar like it's a similar, maybe a similar feeling of like, if this exists, like what else exists? Like it just cracks the world open. Uh, Yeah. That's a great feeling. Wait. So you were going to tell me how, how you started loving what you made. (laughs) I think I was probably six or seven and I still remember this to this day. And I wish to God I had still had it. I spent days creating spaceships of all shapes, sizes, and colors because at that point I realized my dad was really good about this kind of stuff. And he said, Hey, in space, I think you had told me this before. Yes. Tell, yeah. tell me again. Cause the listener doesn't know. You don't have to worry about aerodynamics. Right. And I was like, wait a minute. So you can have a <laughs> flat piece of paper flying through space and it's okay. And I, I probably created 50, 60 different kinds of spaceships and just loved them. My headphones got disconnected oh, just then. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, I pulled them out. Yeah. Okay, wait, continue. And oh, then I and, have a follow-up question. And to this day, I remember how happy and ecstatic I was about this sheet of paper. And again, you know, showed it to my mom and she was like, eh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and I think if I would have shown it to anybody, but that's the only person I ever showed it to. Right. But like, I remember even to the, like I said, I mean, I'm, I remember this you know, almost 50 years later and you're like, I remember how happy I was about that creation. Okay. Here's my, here's my follow-up. Like this idea of a six-year-old spending days on anything. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. I mean, I don't have children, but I feel like that's not normal for a child, but like, where do you, like, what does that level of investment feel like to you? I'm I'm sure it feels similar now, but I'd love to hear you talk about it. And then I'm also curious, like where you think it comes from. Cause that's something else. That's a different thing than this like, right, observation where it came thing, from right? versus, yeah. To talk about like the, what that feeling was, is it's just, 
I mean, it was days where I didn't pay attention to anything else. Yeah. I was so obsessed with it. Yeah. And I mean, the only other word I can think of is love. I was in love with this idea. Oh, yeah. And just give me that ballpoint pen. I couldn't wait to get home from school to run into that place and start drawing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, are you still like that? Oh yeah. When yeah. I get an idea for a story or something, oh, I just want to sit down and, and... It's the best feeling in the world. Yes. In the world. I've been feeling a little bit of that lately and I feel like I, I hadn't felt it in a little while. Like, I mean, I think, I think the whole last decade has been weird. Like right. there have been many things. Like I was just last night I was watching, I had just, I had been watching impeachment. Have you heard of it? It's oh, like yeah. the FX series. Mm-hmm. So I am a little bit late, but I, I was, I've been watching it this week and just like being a little mind blown by it. And then last night I watched, I, wa- I binged like the, the Hillary Clinton documentary. Oh, wow. <laughs> have you seen that? No, I haven't seen it that one. So, it was really good. But I, I feel like it's one of those things where like, even if you think the Clintons are bullshit, which like, I didn't think that while I was watching it, but like just this window into a different perspective is never not interesting in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Um, but okay. What is my point? Why am I talking about this? (laughs) We, we, We were talking about the feeling, you know, obviously the obsession of when you're in a project, but where does it come from? I don't know. Well, I know, I know what I was going to say. I don't know why this was related, but the thing that I was going to say is that I've been feeling this kind of like, almost like a little bit of like a, oh no, I know what it was. It's so stupid, but whatever. I'll just say it. I was thinking like 20, they were talking about the 2016 election and I was like, that was six years ago. Yeah. Like that's like over half a decade. That's all. That's the whole thing. <laughs> that was the whole thing. Um, no, there is another thing that's more like related to what the the creative thing. But all this to say, like, it's been a minute. <laughs> like right. all of this kind of like trauma in our country has been, you know, and then and then my mom was also do- diagnosed with brain cancer in 2016. Oh. And like the two years before that, I was like really thinking that I needed to go to therapy and was like going anyway. So the last 10 years also, I I left Mormonism in there. Oh, wow. So like yeah. That sounds like a, a pretty powerful so 10 years. You, it's been a decade. Yeah. Like it's been like one thing after another. I was like, whoops, I'm in a cult. Whoops. My parents are abusive. Uh Oh, Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. Oh, a pandemic, pandemic. a world war. You exactly. Know, yeah. <laughs> yes. So anyway, all this to say, I feel like that creative, like kind of that love that like in love, like it is so like that. It's like a brand new infatuation. Like, you have a, just like great chemistry with someone and a crush on someone and you're, you know, 15 and it's all you can think about. It is like that. But I, I have felt it less often in the last decade than I had before that. And I feel like lately I've been kind of getting that feeling again and it's the best. Yes. It's just like awake all night. Just like can't wait to get into your studio. Well, and it makes sense because the past couple of years have just been tough. Like your yeah. mind's been that that happy place was kind of like put on hold because you had a lot of other things to think about and worry about. Yeah. 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 But it's been uh, this, the muse has been, the muse has been on my shoulder lately. Nice. uh, It's great. It is such a giddy feeling. Like Mm -hmm. there's nothing, there's nothing better. Um, yeah. And I also had that as a little kid and was like obsessed and would work on a project for like, I would get an idea. Like I was just telling Andrew the other day, like there was this one Christmas I was probably like, eight or nine and I had this idea to write a poem for like every member of the extended family which like 
I got a Mormon family. So, and it was both sides, you know? And I just, I wrote like a poem for like every aunt and every uncle. Wow. In the family. And then I like, I like laminated them. Like I had my grandma like take me to Kinko's and like I laminated them and like mounted them on colorful paper and like handed them out on Christmas day. Anyway, all this to say, I get it. So, um, <laughs> So this feeling of like, you know, this is a project I'm obsessed with. Like, what other kinds of stuff? Do you remember any other projects or like, how did this evolve into maybe things with more structure or things that you now, started showing people? For me, when I was younger, it wasn't necessarily about, I, I never really got into the structure of it. It sure. was, it was more in the, what makes this feel right to me? Mm. Like, what do I want to read? What do I want to enjoy? And so, I mean, I'm still, ha you know, this one's going to sound weird, which I am. So that's fine. <laughs> One of my other favorites was I spent days writing a ransom letter for myself to my mother. Cool. <laughs> was this like, why? Like, I'm wondering, like, what was it? Was there like, was this like in the news? Was there like a, had there been a kidnapping? Not that I remember. It just got in my head that like, you know, how... Like I think when somebody, was the like Lindbergh baby? Right. Kidnapping? It was like, somebody should kidnap me and I'm going to write the ransom letter for him. Somebody should kidnap me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that's in a story. That is a story. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And it was like, you know, I spent all this time figuring it out, took red crayons and, you know, because there had to be proof of life, right? So there right. had to be blood on the letter, you know, those kind of things. And then, um, yeah, I mean, there was a, you know, I wrote a couple of songs back in those days that to this day, like I, I could probably still pick up the piano and play oh my, God, my little kid it. version. I and just love them, yeah. you know, and most of it was just about, you know, for me, it was always escapism, just get away from everything. And I just loved it. And, and just, uh, yeah, it was amazing. I, I remember, I remember those days like they're yeah. yesterday. I'm obsessed with this idea of like, you just wanted it to feel right. Mm -hmm. Like developing taste and like preference as such a little kid. That's like, that's really something like, I'm not sure what to ask about it, but like, I don't know. Did, did. Did that, did you ever second guess it? Did you ever feel like, well, will other people like this or like not at all? At that point, I didn't share any of it. Didn't have okay. any friends. Didn't have to worry about sharing it. Um, like, me and my mom it, didn't care. So what does that feeling feel like of like, it feels right. Like what, what is it? Like, how did you know? Back then? I mean, I would just keep working on it until I went, yeah. this is the way this story should be, you yeah. know, beginning, middle and end. This is the way it should be. This is the way this song, this song should go. And then this is the way it should end. And once wow. I figured out all of those things and I went, yep, that's right. And I just walk away and go on to the next thing. Are you like that still? Yes. Yeah, me too. Like, why didn't we talk about this before? This is crazy. So I feel like I always am talking to other artists who are saying like people sit in this chair that you're in so frequently and kind of look at me and be like, well, you know, that feeling of like, it's never done. And I'm like, oh no, I don't like, I know the <laughs> feeling of it's done. And you know, people will be like, well, you know how you never quite feel right about your work. And I'm like, no, 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 no. If I've put it out, like it's done. <laughs> like It's <laughs> perfect. Like it's exactly how I want it. D does that like, does that, does that cause any problems for you now? Like, do you feel like, do you still trust yourself as much? Like, what do you think about it? Oh, I don't, I don't trust myself at all. <laughs> I, I, I tell people like there's doubt in every keystroke. Gosh. You know, like every, every letter I'm like, mm, I'm not sure. Um, and I understand the feeling of saying something's never truly done. Yeah. I think it's because I think that what I've learned, how I've learned to balance that anyway, is there's a point to where it's done and you release it. Yeah. 
but you realize you've become a better creator during that. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, if oh, I did this yeah. again, I might be able to do it better. Sure. And I think that's what we get hooked on. It's yeah. like if I knew more, if I was better, I could do this even better. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, eh. I think I get that. Like I definitely, I definitely, I mean, my big projects are like my three albums. Um, those are like, you know, those are the things that I feel like are the, these creative chapters. I definitely feel like by the time I'm releasing, you know, any of them, like I'm capable of new stuff, but I just feel like I start thinking about the next thing. Right. I feel like I, I cherish this like little creature I've created. Do, do you feel like that? Oh yeah. Or, yeah. I definitely feel like, like there's certain projects, obviously there's some projects where I'm like, eh, you know, I didn't, that didn't come, that didn't come out the way I hoped it did. Yeah. Um, might just also be like more prolific than me. Like, right. <laughs> I mean, cause I feel like I do a lot of like little things that don't need to be like assessed in that kind of way. Even like this podcast. I mean, I have recorded like, you know, almost 150 episodes, which is a, an incredible breadth. Yeah, that's amazing. But it doesn't need to be assessed like as a whole like that. You know, it's like some of the interviews I think are really, really special. And some of them I think are like fine you know (laughs) right but i don't feel like it's the same kind of permanence as like something you publish you know so i don't know maybe that's something um we'll get into like how you got to where you are but but i'm worried i'll forget if i don't ask this now um how does that like gut instinct of like i know when it's right work with like being a collaborator I feel like that would be really hard. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it, it you have to find the right collaborator. Right. That's the key. Um, cause I have run into those times where I've been working with somebody and we're, we have such different tastes that it's, we're not compatible and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, they like a certain thing and I don't, you know, yeah. or vice versa. And so when you find somebody like there's a couple artists that I work with regularly and I just hold on to them for dear life yeah. because I'm like, Oh, here's somebody who gets what I'm trying to do. And we understand mm. the same things. So precious. And you'll, you'll put throw down what you think is great. And then you hand it off to the artist and they deliver something that's even better yeah. because you worked with them and you have the same yeah. taste and you're like, Oh yes. Then, why didn't I think of that? Right. That's, that's such a good feeling. I definitely feel like that working with my friend Jed who um, has produced my last two records. <laughs> like uh, he'll, he'll present an idea to me that I feel like, Oh, this is it. And I didn't know. So yeah, that's really true. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the way that I've handled it is like, I do all the writing and when the writing's done, that's when I take it to jet. (laughs) So it's like, I still like, I still know that like the way that I set up the album, the way that I broke down the themes, like I know that that is done, (laughs) you know, I know that that is right. And I think what I do is a lot very similar. Like I'm writing a script and so right. I hand that to him and go, hey, here's the writing. The story's kind of handled. Please add your flavor to it. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know why I would think that that was different. It's the same. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it's it is. It sounds like it's the same. Um, were you, as a child, were you always working on like projects like this? Like, did you have an idea for a project and do the project or did you also do kind of like, you know, unattached kind of one-off? Were you doodling? Oh, yeah, it was everything, yeah. right? It was a mix. Yeah. You know, I didn't do everything. Definitely wasn't a project. It was what I was feeling at the time. And sometimes I had a longer t- attention span. I think that was, again, you know, we can talk about muses and that kind of thing. But like I became obsessed with some of them. Other ones I'd like, oh, you know, I doodle that and it's OK. Yeah. You know, I'll put that to the side. Yeah. When you were obsessed with it, when th- with things, was it was it always about like trying to get it right? Like um, satisfying your vision? Yes. Yeah. It was always about 
honestly, it was always about entertaining myself. Yeah. It was like, how can I make this story something that I would love? Yeah. It's so weird though. Cause it's like, it's home. It's kind of homework. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. A little kid doing like draft after draft. Like <laughs> it's so precious. Like I would love to know more children who are like that. Like I don't have, do you have kids? No. Yeah. I also, I don't think I'm having kids because I'm worried that my kids like wouldn't be like that. <laughs> and then I'd be like, why are you boring? Why are you a boring <laughs> why are you, child? Why are you normal? Are you normal? <laughs> I know that's <laughs> taboo, but it is the truth of how I feel. I mean, and I have mom trauma, so oh, yeah. I have parent trauma, which like, I don't need to take that into another generation. <laughs> you don't want to pass that on. If there was a guarantee that my kids would be like me, I would, I would do it. <laughs> but you know, the odds are obviously, it seems like the opposite, right? For sure. And also like, that's just a cruel risk to like set your child up for, which is why like, I am not a narcissist and I can see that and I can decide to not have children. Right. You know? um, I probably would love a child who was a jock just as much is the truth, but you know, I'm scared. I'm scared of that. Yeah, I don't blame you. I'm scared of that. I'm scared of a child that's like my parents. <laughs> how's that for like, how's that for like the deep truth? Yeah. The real talk. Um, okay. Let's talk about like, as you got a little bit older, like maybe when you started maybe sharing some things or, or having assignments in school that maybe people were um, commenting on, how did you kind of like take these passions and start to develop them into skills? Mm. I really didn't. <coughs> Sorry. It's really dry. Yeah. I really didn't start thinking about being a writer writer until I was 17. Okay. So a lot of times up till that point. <clears throat> yeah, cough it out if you need to. It's so dry. Sorry. I had like a little coughing fit and I was doing an interview last week and just kind of like a tickle. Yeah. I used to have mints here and then like um a bunch <laughs> you of ate little them all. No. <laughs> I threw them away cuz a bunch of like tiny tiny little bugs were in them. Oh, yeah, that's not. From the wind. Just like tiny. They were individually wrapped, so there weren't bugs in them. But like But if there's a crack, they're I, in. Well, I just didn't want to rinse off a bunch of individually wrapped lifesavers <laughs> is yeah, the thing. Cuz you don't want you to get them wet. <laughs> I, I mean, it just felt wrong, yeah. so I threw them away. Um anyway. for me, I mean, I think what I used my creativity for was I never paid attention in class mm. or read any of the books. So when I did a book report, I did it the day before mm. and I made it all up and yeah. somehow I passed. It worked. I was not like that. I loved school. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. It's, I loved being in school. I just didn't pay attention in class mm. at all. Yeah. Um, I was the youngest. My mom and dad started me a year early in school. Oh, yeah. So you can imagine kind of being a boy. I'm the youngest one in class. It means I'm the smallest, smallest and I'm also the least mature. It's hard for a boy. So for me, school was really about survival. Yeah. Like every yeah. day I was concerned like, okay, who's going to beat me up today? Really? Yeah. And being Ugh. the least mature and also, you know, developmentally, like that means I'm going to be, I don't know, I'm not going to be the smartest kid in class. Sure. And teachers pick on you when you're, when you're, when they're the, the dumbest oh, kid. Oh, no. Yeah. They're going to be, no, no, nobody else answer. Doug, what's three times three? That's horrible. You know? I hate that. <laughs> yeah. So I was more concerned about survival at yeah. that point than I was about paying attention to, to anything yeah. they were trying to teach me. Yeah. When I was in elementary school, I, I had trouble. I had like bullying problems in um, like middle school. And we moved when I was just starting the fifth grade. And so from kind of from then on, but, but up to fourth grade, school was like a safe haven. Like it was the most predictable part of my mm. life. Um, my teachers always loved me. Like 
I just like loved learning and like a teacher loves a kid who loves to learn. Oh yeah. And I just was like very eager and like so happy to be in school. So like, I definitely don't have the same um, relationship with, with that as you sounds like you do. So I've, I'm sad to hear then that I think that probably means that like, if you're turning in assignments, like even if your teachers were accepting them, were they, were they ever like, this is really good. Every now and then I would write something that the teacher would go, this is fantastic. Everybody should read it. Wow. And most of the time, my, my favorite one was probably in high school. And back then we weren't allowed to chew gum in school. So I had to write an essay and they always gave you like these one word, the theme is shoes. And so I wrote this 500 word paper on mm-hmm. shoes and the teacher thought it was so funny because like to get my 500 words, what I would do is I'd say something like, and there are all kinds of shoes. There are brown shoes, black <laughs> shoes, brown shoes, white shoes, you know, and do yeah. those kind of things. And she thought it was so funny that she made the, kind of she made me read it in front of the class wow. and they loved it. How old were you? Uh, at that point I was probably like 15. High school? Yeah. But nothing like that was happening in elementary school. Oh no, no. Yeah. It was just hard. It was just a grind. Yeah. And I moved a lot in the, during those years, like mm. a different city for... Fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. There wasn't like enough time for like any kind of teachers to be like, this is a sparkly child who's like shy. Right. Yeah. That's hard. It's, it's a little bit hard to be like sparkly and shy. Yeah. Did you, did you, is, is that an accurate, like, did you feel like that? Oh, I was, it wasn't necessarily shy. I just wanted to, you know, again, going back to that, I was the youngest and smallest. I just wanted to blend in. I just wanted to disappear. disappear. I didn't want anybody to notice me. Yeah. Yeah, fly under the radar. Yes. But knowing that you're sparkly. Like, did you feel sparkly as a kid? No, I knew I was weird. But is, isn't isn't that the same thing? Yeah, I guess if, if, you, if you would say sparkly is weird, yes, I knew very well that I was sparkly. Did you like it? Um, I didn't know how to process it, to be honest. Yeah. Tell, you know, tell me more. Um, You got a mother who is the belle of the ball. Yeah. Um, God, I really get that. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and I'm the exact opposite. And so I didn't know how to process like, you're so different. How do you, where's your spot in in life? Mm. And I think that's what I, I didn't know how to process that and didn't know how to, I didn't have an answer. Yeah. Did you feel, so when I say sparkly, I think I mean like my private definition, which is like. You know, I knew that my parents thought I was really weird and I knew that I didn't like, I didn't fit in or belong. I knew that I wasn't like validated or like cherished, you know, those kinds of things. But I also knew that like when I sat outside in the backyard and was like just absolutely positive that I would see a fairy, that there was like something interesting about that. Like I valued it, you know, like I, I thought like, I I remember being a little kid and thinking if I was an adult, I would like me. (laughs) did you feel like that I didn't think about it Mm -hmm. you know to me it was just a retreat and escape and I didn't live in the real world so I didn't worry about it because everybody in my real world loved me yeah you know so yeah I think I'm just wondering if like you felt like like if you valued your own like I mean this thing that we call that you're saying is weird like did you like it like did you feel like I would like another kid like me or like 
Oh, yeah. I thought I'd like another kid like me. I just never met any of them. Sure. You know, because sure. I think they were doing the same thing I was doing is, yeah. is trying to hide. Oh, God. Yeah. But you are so sparkly. Like, you're such a sparkly adult. Like, <laughs> and I have to imagine that that was like that was there when you were a kid. Just like, I don't know. The idea that no one was seeing that is like blowing my mind. Was your was your dad like supportive of that kind of stuff? My dad was fantastic. Yeah. This is I feel like I remember you talking. Yeah, about we, we talked about it and it's hard to get in. You know, it's hard to get into because it's so different. So like. During the week, I was with my mom. Yeah. And that was, you know, there's no other way to put it. It was a living hell. Yeah. At my dad's place, it was the exact opposite. So when I would show up, kids would be waiting for me. Wow. Yeah. And so we'd go play. And so like on the weekends, I had this loving, wonderful parent who was very supportive of everything I did. Wow. He was also very creative. And where kids liked me and then... I'd get dropped off Sunday night back into the other world. Devastating. Yeah. I'm so glad you had that on the weekends though. Oh yeah. Did, was creative, was like creativity or like maybe not that word, but like, was that something you talked about with your dad or just more that was shown? Yeah. That, you know, I look back on it now because you know, you didn't realize you were talking about creativity that's when you were what a I, kid. That's what I said. Like maybe not that word, but right. yeah. Like, and I would sit down and my dad and I would talk about stuff and, um, and he would, Again, into sci-fi. So here I am, like I'm sixth, seventh. I'm almost failing school. And my dad's like, I don't understand. He reads my science fiction novels and comes to me with questions. Yeah. Like science questions. Yeah. How can he not be passing school? So my dad had like that, like, hmm, I don't know what's going on here. But he, you know, he was, like I said, totally supportive. And we'd build models. You know, back in those days, you could buy like, I buy a spaceship model. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'd be like, here's the picture on the front. Dad, I want to paint it to look like this. And he goes, well, you know, it doesn't have to be painted to look like this. You can paint it to look like what Doug wants it to look like. I love that. That's and so, beautiful. Yeah. And you're like, what? Like, you know, my mind would be blown. Like, I can paint it however I want to paint it. And so he'd help me wow. find that vision. That's and so it was so stuff valuable. like that. Oh, yeah. I think about this so often because my parents were not neither of my parents was, was like that. And I, and I'm a teacher, you know, I teach children. I, I more often teach older children or young adults, but I, I do sometimes have the opportunity to teach littler kids. And I definitely feel passionate about this idea of like nurturing childhood creativity. And I feel like sometimes people will be like, but how? And I feel like it's so easy. <laughs> like children are so, it's so easy. Like if you're blessed to have a creative child in your life and like maybe all children are creative, like I don't know enough of them to be honest, right. but, um, but like, just tell them they can paint the rocket however they want. It's couldn't be easier. Like, mm -hmm. like if you're, you know, if your child's like, I'm writing a story, just say, what is it about? You know, like yeah. it's so easy. Just like, do you need new pencils? Like, do you need some paper? Like it, it couldn't be simpler, but yeah, I mean, those are, pr that's precious though. Like it means everything to a, a little kid. Oh yeah. And the, like I said, I mean, the favorite thing I just talked about, the the spaceship thing, that was because my dad told me at a young age, like, no, you can design a ship any way you want. Yeah. You can break all the rules. Right. Who, what rules? It's, right. It's, you're writing it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Were there um, any like particular um, like mediums or things that you were inspired by? Like, were you listening? Were you reading comic books? Were you watching like... What were you taking in back then? Yeah. Science I mean, fiction. I started comics really early, you know, the classic, like went to a seven 11 and get a Slurpee, saw a Casper comic on the spinner rack and was addicted to comics from that day forward. Yeah. Um, 
loved any kind of science fiction television. So back then it was like Battlestar Galactica, the sure. original one, which yeah. was, I realized was bad, but man, I was so obsessed. It is. You have access to what you have access to. Yep. Yeah. And anything cool. that was action oriented, especially if it was like World War II stuff. I loved World War mm-hmm. II when I was a kid. So like there was an t- old TV show called The Rat Patrol and I just was obsessed. Uh, yeah. Star Trek, of course. I mean. Were you like moved by visual art? Like you work, you're not a visual artist, but your medium requires it. Oh yeah. Like how, what, what was your relationship like with visual art? Like are there origins of that? My, my obsession with visual art as a kid that I didn't, you know, talking about it now that I didn't realize that I had it then was in the nuances of it. Mm. What I loved was that, that eye twitch from Kirk Mm. or when you're reading a Casper comic and, and like, they break the fourth wall and they're talking to you. Those kind of like small nuance things that I went, oh, that's, that's interesting. And those, you know, as we get older, you realize that's where the emotion's at. That look, right? that's everything in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a fellow non-visual art maker, I also feel like, I feel so moved by visual art. I feel like it can do things that like, you know, are auditory or, um, like written mediums, like just can't. Right. I, I love the kind of like marriage of like, you know, all the powers of the different mediums, which like a comic book is a great example of that. There's maybe no better example than like film. Like right. what isn't happening in film? It's like a feast. You know? right. I get like completely overstimulated sometimes when I'm watching like a movie, like I'm like, my brain will kind of like my ears will like zero in on like the Foley and like all I can think about is the Foley. And then I'm like, all I can think about is like, you know, the written script. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm imagining like all the dialogue, like typed, <laughs> like, do you, do you do, do you like, Oh yeah. Process like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny cause I'll pick it's up on stuff and I think this is our observant, you know, side is sometimes like I'll, I'll start tearing up in a movie when something's perfect. Yeah. And that might be the music, that might be just an action scene, that might mm. be a piece of dialogue, mm. or too. it's just a shot. Yeah. And you're like, oh. Yeah. Like the, like the cinematography is so well constructed that mm. you're just like, uh, how yep. did they do it? Like, <laughs> I want to talk to all of those people. Yep. Yeah. And so I think that's, you know, like we're talking about the nuance stuff, even as a kid, is what I fell in love with. The, you know, one of my favorite pieces ever, in a, you know, one shot in game, Captain America taking that broken shield. I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen it? But tell me. Anyway. At one point he has a broken shield and it all is lost. There's no more Avengers. It's just him against yeah. Thanos and his entire army. Wow. And he takes the strap and he tightens it. Yeah. And he's you're like, like I'm oh. keep fighting. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I don't give up. Oh, uh, yeah. Those kinds of moments. We live for them. Yes. Um, ooh, I had a question. Forgot. Maybe it's okay. I'll think of it, <laughs> I'll think of it later. Um, okay, so so you said you didn't really think about becoming a writer, writer till seventeen. Was there anything else important in in between the childhood and that moment? Like, what led you there? Like, how did you get there? <sighs> to be honest, I mean, a lot of that we moved so much that I was always in more of a survival mode. Yeah, and so it was still about for me. It was escapism, and so I spent a lot of my time creating, not realizing I was a creator. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm going to go write it. I'm going to go play a story today. This is, you know, because that's what exactly. it was. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go and listen to a song and I'm going to write a story based on this song, or I'm going to go outside and play by myself 
and create this whole new world and play in it for a while. Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah, yeah. And what's yeah, funny is yeah. even now, like back then, I would do drafts of the story that I was playing in. I'd be like, oh, I, and then I do this. Oh, no, wait a minute. That doesn't feel right. Let yeah. me back up and rewrite that. Totally. I didn't say it that way in my head, but that's the way I handled it. I did that too. Like, but for me, it was like playing pretend with like my little brothers, my mostly my one little brother or like friends. But I was always like, I was like narrating and I'd be like, <laughs> now you do this. And then they would do it. And then I'd be like, wait, how about instead, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that, I mean, is that the same? Oh yeah. I had yeah. two good friends at my dad's, Nancy and Fred, who were still friends to this day. And we would play like, because we're in Florida, so, you know, it'd get really hot. Yeah. And my dad lived in a trailer. So we'd go in the back room in the trailer and we'd turn into, that was our, our spaceship bridge. Yeah. And I was the narrator. So I was like, almost like a Sulu or a Spock, right? Yeah. I wasn't a main character in my own right. story. Right. And my friends would be like the captain in the other person or whatever yeah. that might be. And I would tell them what's going on. Yeah. I'm like, oh, sir, a spaceship is approaching something we haven't seen before. Yes. And they would have to respond to that. <laughs> I was always doing that too. Only we played, I grew up in Arizona. Mm. We played in the pool and we were like sea lions probably. Right. Maybe dolphins, maybe the occasional mermaid, <laughs> but usually I think sea lions. Oh, that's awesome. And I would be like, now there's a shark. Now there's a boat. Same kind of thing. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, but it is. It's like that. Okay, so I remember the question that I was going to ask before, which is, do you feel like this um, observation or like appreciation of nuance, is that related to like watching adults? Like, is, are those oh, yes. things related? Yes, yeah. I think so. Totally. Um, how people hold hands when they're walking together in the mall tells you so much. Yeah. You can tell whether it's genuine or not. Yeah. And it's the nuances of those kind of things. Yeah. A kid walking with their parent, their parents not paying attention and their kids like looking at something that they want desperately and the parents doesn't have a clue. Yeah. Those yeah. are the nuances to me that you're like, there's a story there. Like mm. you're, you want to grab that parent and shake them real quick yeah. and go, you need to pay, pay attention. attention. Like yeah. this kid sees something that they're fascinated by. And is that something you need to give them? Because like that could change their life. Mm -hmm. Those mm -hmm. kind of things. So yeah, yeah, I think nuances are a big part of the observant thing. Do you feel like that's something that can be taught? I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Wow, that's tough. Because I feel like one of like my, you know, based on my own, you know, data, you know, my lived experience and I'm almost 34. So it's, it's not, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, not a ton of lived experience, which I find like an exciting preposition right. <laughs> thinking about like living another, like, you know, my whole life time again, yep. more than that, maybe hopefully, um, shit. What was I going to say? <laughs> God. Oh, I, I think a lot about how like, you know, my kind of philosophies about this are like, you know, this skill, this observational skill, like it's fun. I use it to play. I use it to make things. It entertains me. It entertains other people. I also feel like this is a really important, like kind of powerful skill um, with regards to problem solving with regards to relationships with regards to like empathy you know understanding other groups of people who you're you're not a part of um and i think those are those are skills that our society like desperately needs more of um and you know i think i started this podcast like in part because i f sometimes feel like artists hold some keys around these things like this observation this kind of like perspective shifting these are skills that we kind of uniquely like live in 
mm-hmm. work on all the time. And I, I thought when I started the podcast, I might kind of like discover some things that could maybe help, like, I don't know, broaden, like take this skill set other places. But I, I don't know. I, I increasingly feel like it might, it might not be teachable. I, I think you're right. Um, I mean, the more I think about it, like sitting here, because it takes a level of curiosity yeah. <clears throat> that you have to be curious about it. I think that's with any, but any profession, right? Like if you're going to be, if you love tax accounting, like it's because you love it. Like there's something there that grabs you and, and you become yeah. obsessed with it. And I think what you, something you said earlier, there's also something about being observant, but you have to have a lot of empathy while you're doing it because I wouldn't understand, oh, the way they're holding hands yeah. means everything. If I didn't have empathy for the situation that they're in. Yeah. Like you have to like, you have to, you have to have, I mean, it's curiosity, empathy, and like there's creativity there for sure of like, can I imagine a backstory? Like, mm-hmm. can I imagine a reason for this motivation? Or at least that's often how it works for me. Like if I notice a thing and I think like, there's something weird about that, then I'm trying to kind of like, I'm trying to give it a narrative and then testing that narrative. Like I'm making this, this first assumption or this first kind of theory or hypothesis about like, you know, what's going on with it. This parent isn't watching this child notice this thing right? or like what's going on with the handholding, you know, or like whatever, um, you know, and then adjusting the working theory as I get like new. So right. that might be empathy, but it might also just be like, it might just be creativity, like over decades, like reinforced by, like confirmation of those things. Yeah. Go ahead. That's why they're here. (laughs) And I, and like I said, I normally, like, I feel like being like a good host of a podcast would have mints because people get dry mouth. But then you have bugs. Yeah. I don't think the bugs were like, well, maybe they were, they could smell the mints, but I think they're just like these teeny, teeny, tiny little bugs that come in the springtime. Hmm. I can see one right now. I can see Uh a couple. They come, they come out on the screen. They're so disappointed. They're like, they're so little. And even if there's like, um, even if we have pest control, like they're just so tiny. I think they don't like, they're not affected. There's these like tiny, tiny little beetles. Anyway, I don't know what to do about it. And they only come in through this window. They're like nowhere else. They're just here. Must be like one of the plants that's yeah, like right here. That they love. Nothing has ever been more boring than what I'm saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry Talking for that. About plants. And- I'm really sorry for that. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so when you're 17, what happened that gave you this thought of that you wanted to be a real writer? I met, and again, going back to this, this was a time when you never told anyone you were into comic books. Right. And so. I, I sat next to this guy in this one class and he started doodling and he was clearly drawing a superhero. And I was like, okay, should I say anything? Yeah. You know, like that, like, and you're like, Hey, <laughs> what, what are you drawing What's there? That? And then they hit it. Right. They're like, <laughs> he hit it. He was like, what? And I was like, are you into what I think you're <laughs> yeah. into? Oh my God. And then he went, Oh my God. And immediately besties. we were like, Oh yeah, we're besties. best friends for life. And we talked, we started talking about comics. He was an illustrator. I was a writer. Well, I didn't know at that point, yeah. but, and so we started creating our own characters and writing our own stories for him. Is this the guy that you worked with for like a long time? Yeah. What's his name again? Cully Hamner. Cully? Cully That's Hamner. Right. Yep. And, Cully uh, Hamner. And, um, I mean, he's been, he worked for Marvel in DC for over wow. 40 years now. So like, okay. I mean, yeah. Tell this story again. I remember like the essence of it, but like, you got to tell it. It's a great story. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those deals to where like, you know, 
we just started writing and, and creating our own stories. And, you know, we can talk about, I come to realization slow and we probably spent six months to a year just writing stories constantly, creating these characters wow. from, you know, our own thing. Wow. And then <laughs> I hit 17 and I go, I think I want to write comic books for a living. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was that focused. It was like, I want to do yeah. comic books. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, of course my mom was like, you need to plan B because like, Nobody makes in comic, you know, com yeah. writing, you know, she didn't even know what comic books really right. were, really, really yeah. were. That's really um, hard. And, you know, then we, Kelly and I hung out forever all the time talking about comics and he would constantly practice stuff and we'd work together on stuff. Wow. Um, I think one of my favorite break-in stories for him was he was at a convention and back in those days, editors would actually get tables and sit and do portfolio reviews. Yeah. And he walks up to this one. And this guy just destroys him. Oh, my God. I mean, it's like, you need to think of something else to do because you will never be a comic book artist. You're that bad. Just give it up. You don't have a clue what you're doing. Why did he say that? You know, some people are just bitter. And just like scarcity mindset. So, I mean, do you think he thought, actually thought Cully was bad? I think, I mean, yeah. it's hard to or say. Did, did he think he was good? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, Cully was clearly good. So yeah. I don't know, you know, but Cully comes from back from that. And he's in, I'm like, dude, are you okay? Like, do you just want to go back to the hotel and chill yeah. for a little bit? Like that was brutal. Yeah. And he's like, I mean, he, much stronger person than I ever was. Uh, he was like, nope, I'm just going to go to the next one. Yeah. He goes up to the next editor. The editor doesn't say a word while he's flipping through all these pages oh and goes, I work for DC comics. When can you start? Oh, <laughs> I love it so much. That happened within like a 30 minute period. That's crazy yeah. what an incredible lesson to just like remember i also i remember asking you this before and i want to draw attention to it again to it again there was no internet at this time oh no tell the listener like what you guys had to go through to like find a, a comic-con oh to... <sighs> like because that i feel like though like i named this podcast artifice because I think people aren't thinking about the things that artists go, like do. Right. And this is like a perfect example of one of those things of like the level of investment that you as teenage as teenage boys had to have to find a Comic-Con, to know that that was a thing and to find it at that time. That is like that is like serious commitment. So so please tell my <laughs> listeners. I mean, that is it's so strange to think about it because at, at this point I'm in high school. We're out in the middle of nowhere, Alabama. I mean, we're not close to anything. And so luckily I'm friends with Cully and Cully comes to me and he's like, Hey, there's a comic book convention in Atlanta. And I'm like, what do you mean? There's a comic book what convention. Is what is that? Yeah. And so he's like, I'm not sure, but I think we should go. Wow. And so it was like one of those weird, like, and I, I think he just found out, like, I mean, back then it was just like word of mouth newspapers, kind of like weird. I think he probably found out from a family member who lived in Atlanta, who knew yeah. Cully was into comics oh and told his parents and his parents were like, Hey, there's a comic book convention. And of course, Cully had the same response of like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. And you know, get in the car, you drive and try to find a hotel close. I mean, like there's no making reservations in advance. Right. Even just thing. like as a, as a child, like, and maybe this does feel different now, like maybe because of the internet, but like the idea of, t of teenagers driving across state lines mm -hmm. and like just finding a hotel that's really brave like that feels crazy to me yeah i mean in in i mean i wouldn't do that now that's like, what i'm saying <laughs> like that's crazy yeah. like 
that's really scary. Yeah. Like it's kind There's of no an adventure, plan. but it's also really scary. And you had no idea what to expect really when you got there. No, none. Okay. Tell me this. So it's clear like the things that you like admire about Cully and the things about him that were like, so like that you needed. Do you know what, like what those things were f- about you for him? <sighs> I'd be guessing, but I think it was, we didn't have anybody. I mean, again, we're on the middle of nowhere, Alabama, where we went to an agricultural high school oh where everybody God. was expected to be what a farmer. An agricultural high school? Yeah. That's crazy. You were, you were trained to either be wow. a mechanic, a carpenter, or you were expected wow. to be like a farmer. a technical Almost like, yeah, call, tech school. College, but yeah. high school. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Um, it wasn't a public high school? Oh, it was public. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like it, it was just like, those were the boundaries. And like you were, if you were in those boundaries, you're in a, you're in an agriculture high school. I mean, the, That's crazy. the high school was literally in the middle of a cow field. Oh my God. So you had to, dr- I had to drive 25 minutes from where I live to get to high school. Wow. And so, yeah, it, it, but that was just the expectation and they weren't wrong because most of the people going to that school were going to take over the family farm. That must have been so intense to like declare that you wanted to write comic books. Oh yeah. That must have been insane. How did, how did you like withstand the, like, I, I have to imagine it's not even like entirely pushback, but just like bafflement. Like, yeah. how did you withstand that? Well, as you said, Luckily, at this point, I realized how sparkly I was. Yeah. How did, <laughs> wait, wait. Tell me how you, when you figured that out. Um, I have to know. I finally made some friends in high school that accepted me for who I was. Yeah. And I went and they and they enjoyed who I was. Yeah. And so and then meeting Cully and finding somebody who was just obsessed with comics as I was. And you went, this is who I am. And I'm happy with it. Yeah. And I so bet he loved that you I bet he loved the way you observed things. I bet like he loved. I bet he loved like the way that you would like see what was valuable in him. Like for each of you to share those victories, for you to like bear witness to him, like having that devastating moment and like watching him just be like, I got, no, I got this. Like, I bet, I bet he felt like, you know, Doug saw that and Doug will know like what that was, (laughs) what that meant. And I think it was the first time we had both met somebody our age who asked the what if questions. Sure. You know, we'd sit down and we go, well, what if, what if we did Batman? What would that look like? Yeah. You know, and, and just spend days talking about it and coming up with a story yeah. and going, okay, well, what else would, what else would we do? What That's about so Superman? Cool. Yeah. So I think for both of us being in that environment, <clears throat> that was the the first time we had encountered anybody else that was into the same things we were into. Yeah. What did it feel like to like create characters like together? Oh, it was the same thing as drawing those ships when I was five or six. It was just, you know, sitting down and coming up with your own superpowers and creating a character and a background for them and what their family life was like and making sure all of them were different, wow. you know, and those relationships and how those characters would interact with each other was just, again, it was, it was love. It was, I was in love with it. Yeah. Those puzzle, like putting together those puzzle pieces, like this kind of like multi-plane, like, have you ever taken a Myers-Briggs test? I have not. <laughs> you you should. And then <laughs> report back to me because I'm feeling like we might have similar like personality stuff going on. Um, okay. So then what happened? Did he, did he take that job? Like what oh, did yeah, you... Oh yeah. He totally took that job. And, so, um, and then he was into comics and then, and this isn't abnormal for writers. It usually takes a little bit longer for us to break in. Um, so he was out doing Marvel and DC 
and it took me about another couple of years before I started getting work in comics. And he and I were actually, the, those characters were created in high school. A comic company loved them so much that they wanted us to do a series based on them. Wow. We're talking about action figures and everything. Wow. Marvel bought the company and closed them down the next day. No. <laughs> <laughs> As, I don't think you told me that before. Yeah. That's horrifying. And so that was at 25 and it crushed me. Like yeah. I was like, I'm done. Yeah. And so I took that like year, maybe year and a half where I didn't create anything. Yeah. And then it started talking to me again. You know, and it's like, she, this isn't going she away. crawled back up on exactly, your shoulder. You know, it's yeah. like, let me whisper in your ear. Yeah. Um, when I interviewed you the first time, I don't think I realized that you like weren't also the illustrator like I don't I don't think it like even crossed my mind that like a comic book writer is a thing which like in retrospect I should have known that uh, but I don't know if like I'm an idiot or if like a lot of people have a misconception about this but do you want to just like I don't know say anything about like uh like what this medium is like like generally or yeah, how I mean, often I've... are they separate or most of the time they are separate and most yeah. people don't know that Almost everybody assumes that I draw when I tell yeah. them that I'm a comic book writer. They're like, oh, so you draw the... And they're like, no, I can't draw even a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And so basically a writer has to come up with a script panel by panel, you know, line by line for dialogue kind of thing yeah. and deliver that to the artist. And then they take it and kind of like, sometimes you get what you put on paper and sometimes you don't. So like it's a, it's a completely collaborative process that can go really badly or really mm. well. Was there a time, like, did you, did you, um, I'd love to hear about like the first time you like talked to other comic book writers, like what, what kinds of things were you, like when you kind of were finding your people, like what kinds of things were you thinking about talking, asking about? The interesting thing about that is, and this is still the case today, most comic book writers are very protective of their job mm. and they're worried that if they help you, they you might take their work from them. Yeah. And so most of the comic book writers I would meet had no interest in talking to me about anything. Wow. Um, on the flip side of that, most of the artists I met didn't see me as any kind of threat because I couldn't draw. So yeah. I made tons of friends that are artists and still have them, you know, to yeah. this day. And so my questions became, how can I write better for an artist? Wow. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's perfect. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask, like, how do you get better at something if you can't like talk to people who do it? But like, that's your answer. Like, yeah. Talk to the people who need it. So that's, so that's who I started sharing stuff with was artists. And it was an, always an interesting thing because they, you would get the, okay, here's the story things that I do or don't like. Here's something I can't draw. You can't draw somebody flicking a switch off and on in one panel. Right. Because it's a static image. You're like, right. oh yeah, I'm stupid. <laughs> learning right. those kind of things, which right. were invaluable. Yeah. Do you feel like that, like, again, it's the kind of thing that like, if you've thought about it, you've probably thought about it a lot. And if you haven't, there won't be an answer, but like that kind of skill, that's also like an observation skill. That's another like nuanced thing. Like, do you have any thoughts about like how you trained your brain to like get better at that kind of thing? Like just, um, I don't know. It's almost like having empathy for like what the illustrator like oh, is yeah. going through. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, it was, it was a conscious effort to like think of other things and you'd write something and go, okay, how would I draw that? Yeah. And you go, you can't draw that. Like yeah. that's not possible to have a flashlight 
flicking on and off in yeah. a single panel or what that would look like. Um, and then I really, you know, as they started pointing that kind of stuff out, I became obsessed with studying comics. Yeah. So I'd read a comic and then That's read it again sense. and then read it again yeah. and then just like start breaking it down panel by panel going, what are they doing? How are they doing it? Yeah. And so then it was just, you know, doing that and continuing to write new scripts. Does that like systematic, like research endeavor, like, you know, does that feel creative to you? Yes. Can't tell me more. Um, it's, I, you, you've hinted at it a couple of times tonight, like, uh, problem solving. Yeah. So to me, the panel structure and everything you put on a page is about problem solving. So going through and looking through how they creatively solved a problem helped me go, how does Doug creatively solve this problem? Yeah. Cause you know, obviously you're going to bump into something and go, I don't like how they did this. How would I have done it? Yeah. And so, yes, that is definitely like a key component to the yeah. foundation of creativity for me. I love it so much. I'm obsessed with this idea lately. Like, and by lately, I mean like for at least a year, <laughs> like, like I don't, I, maybe it won't ever go away, but like, I think it's really like our culture. And I, I don't know if this is like capitalism or perfectionism or what it is, but we think of creativity as an output exclusively. Like when we, when we talk about creativity, we, we might as well be talking about products. Um, it almost feels like revelatory to people, I think, to consider that creativity like happens in the mind first. Mm -hmm. But even more than that, like the idea of consuming like other things being creative, that feels really intuitive to me, but it is not intuitive to other people. No. Do you, do you have other thoughts about it? Like, is that something you, you think about? I don't, I don't think about it a lot, but I, I understand everything you're saying yeah. because, you know, looking at the plant behind you, observing how everything works on that plant is a creative process to me. Right. Tell me more. Like, what does it feel like? I mean, it's wonderful because you're looking at it and you're like, okay, here's something in nature and you start breaking things down into like how colors work and why I like looking at it. Yeah. What about it appeals to me? And then you're like, well, then how can I do that in a story? Right. How can I get that same feeling across in something I put down on paper? Right. It's just like the puzzle. Like, right. Like uh, observing something in a creative way. It, it is that it that's the writer thing, right? Yeah. Maybe like or maybe it's just a creative thing. But yeah, I mean, I I love that so much. I feel like, you know, I'll say to my husband really frequently, like, I've just been feeling really creative today. And he'll be like, well, what did you do? And then I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, just thinking about shit. Like, I'm like, I just like I'll do the same thing. Like, I'll take my dog on a walk and like everything just feels so creative. Like, I'm not doing anything, but it's, but the feeling is identical. Yes. Like it's just, it's that same, like seeing patterns that like, you know, as I was even just telling Andrew the other day, like, I think I'm just, I think what it really, if you have to boil it down, like I'm, I just am interested in patterns. Like, I think I have like a talent for patterns Yeah. At the end. Like, I think it all kind of like comes back to that and, and same place. What you said resonated with me a little bit because to me, it's about the feeling. How can I duplicate this feeling right. in, a, in something that I create? Right. How can I make somebody feel what I'm feeling at this moment? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, gosh, for me, I feel like it's even sometimes just like, how do I get, how do I get that feeling? Right. Like, how can I get more of it? Yeah. Like that creative feeling just feels so good. And whether it's like from receiving like input or, you know, mulling over something or creating an output, it's, it's all the same, like 
glorious feeling. Yes. Which is like, that's why it's addictive. And, and I think like, again, with this kind of artifice thing of like, what are artists actually doing? I think a lot of us are doing stuff like this. That's like these just behind the scenes, like pulling on a thread and just pulling and pulling. And sometimes you get to the end of that thread and there's nothing there, you know, there's nothing there, but like, like pulling on it was interesting, yeah. you know, and sometimes you get to the end of the end of the thread and there's like something incredible there. But yeah, I think like when I talk with young artists and I do, cause I'm a college professor, you know, <laughs> when I talk with young artists, sometimes the things that they're puzzled by or the complaints that they bring to me or like the kind of troubles, um, the obstacles that they perceive, I feel like they might be missing that thing of like, don't you see it everywhere? <laughs> like <laughs> seize the day, you know, like, Oh, that's a tough one. I, I've, I've taught in the past too. And that's always a tough one to teach them. What it, It's interesting. Cause what you said, I always refer to as the scientific method. Mm-hmm. You're pulling on strings to see what happens. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't get the result you want and you move on to the next string. Yeah. And it's tough to teach people that it's tough to teach people that. Yeah. And that's why I wonder, like maybe it can't be taught because I think, if you don't love it, if you don't genuinely love pulling on that string, like it's, why are you going to do it? <laughs> like there's no other reason to do it. I think there's a lot of fear behind that. I think that's the yeah. key is, is teaching somebody not to fear pulling the string. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people are scared to pull that string because of what might happen. What if it fails? Yeah. Well, it's going to fail. Yeah. You just need to walk into it. with. Oh my gosh. Ready. Like, I feel like I talk about this with non artists all the time. Like, I get accused of perfectionism frequently. Mm-hmm, same. You know, whatever, really. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, you don't seem like a perfectionist to me, and I mean that in the best way. <laughs> like you just seem like wholehearted, and like you seem sparkly. So like, I I like like I'm glad you said that because then I feel like I sometimes feel like if I'm getting accused of perfectionism, like that that must mean something bad. Like, but <laughs> right. but maybe it doesn't. Um, but yeah, like I get accused of perfectionism a lot and people will be like, Emily, you just like need to let yourself fail. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like I fail all the time. I just like, I, I don't even clock it as like a failure because I'm just, it's just, I'm just interested. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think like when you're doing all those drafts, like people only see like the thing that you put out, they don't see like, all the threads you pulled on that, that were nothing, you know, before, but like, I'm happy to talk about those things. Cause like, they're <laughs> interesting. Like you learn stuff. Oh yeah. Like, you don't even know what you're working on until you've been working on it a long time. Right. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you don't figure it out until the end. Right. And then you're like, Oh, wait a minute. I'm gonna have to go back to the beginning because I just figured this out. Right. 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 Yeah. And then, you know, I think I've become like a broken record to my students lately. Like I really am on a kick with this one. Like, but I'm always telling them like, you're creative, be creative, (laughs) solve this problem. (laughs) Like, like I I can think of like six things to test. And then, you know, they'll say like, well, what if that doesn't work? And I'm like, well, that's for you to find out. Yeah. This isn't my problem, but like I've had these and the way that I solve it is start in one place and go from there. Yeah. But I don't know, that feels intuitive to me and it sounds like that's intuitive to you too. Yeah. I think, you know, I always view it as an experiment and you just don't know if it's going to work or not. And that's okay. To me, that's okay. Like you said, to go back a little bit to the perfectionism thing, I've had the same, you know, same compliment, you know, it's not a compliment, but the same complaint of like, it's okay. And I'm like, no, you don't understand the way I live my life creatively is I pull on that string and I pull on that string with everything I've got. Yeah. 
because if it's going to fail, it's not going to fail because I didn't try. Right. It's going to fail because it's not the right answer. Right. Right. And if it's going to succeed, it's going to succeed with everything I've got. Yeah. Anything in between mean it's not going to fail because I didn't try hard enough. Yeah. Do you feel like there have been things that, um, you have been scared to try? Like, have you learned like lessons? Like, have there been things that in retrospect, you're like, Ooh, I need to pull on that one. Like, do you ever have fear? Oh yeah. All the time. You know, I think that's constant, you know, those demons are always there as, as well as the muses. Um, I don't know if they're not separate or the same, but (laughs) that's a thought. That's a thought. That's a thought. Um, It's a, I think late, I got hired to write a screenplay and I was terrified. Mm. And once I got towards the end of it, I absolutely loved it. And I said to myself, why have you waited so long to do this? Why did you? Yeah. Fear. It was just fear. It was one of those things of like, I don't know how the ins and outs of it. I don't, you know, it's a lot of investment. I've got work I need to be doing in comics you know, I had all the excuses. Right. Yeah. And so it was just, to be honest with you, it was just fear. Yeah. I was just scared to try it. Yeah. I definitely have things like that. I, when I said, um, I, I don't think I was recording yet, but I was saying to you before we started that I feel like I'm like, I'm, I'm going through some kind of an evolution and I feel like it, that's what it is. It's like, there's a couple of, there's a couple of threads I've been looking at for a minute, you know, mm-hmm. like that I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, I better pull on you. <laughs> but it, but I know it will be like that though. Like I, I know I, it's just like a matter of time, but I've had that experience enough times as, as I'm sure you have of being scared to death. But by the time you get to the, the end of the thing you're scared to death to, you're having so much fun. Like I've experienced that enough times that like, you know, I don't know. I have, I, I'm pretty good. I think at having faith that like that it's going to happen again. Like yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have so much fun with this thing that I'm so fucking scared of. <laughs> yeah. But I think that, I mean, that's in life, right? You're like, I don't know if I can make that hike up to the arch. Yeah. And then you do it and you're like, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. Like, why was I worried about this or a roller coaster? Like, oh, I don't know. That looks scary. Yeah. Or a marriage. Oh yeah. <laughs> or I imagine parenting. Yeah. Or like, you know, my, like the thinking of the very first person who told you they were gay, right. You know, like whatever it is, or, you know, um, like trying to like, you know, someone, someone tells you about like white privilege for the first time, Mm -hmm. you know, like all of those things are that same thing. Like I think, which is why I kind of feel like teaching this skill of like, pull on it, like Mm -hmm. have a little curiosity, think about it. Like, you got to have more information. I wish I I'd like to, I'd like to solve the problem of how to teach that. I, I think you're going to run into a cultural problem there. Yeah. I think our society, especially American society has even, even more recently, um, you got to play it safe. Yeah. Always play it safe. Never take chances. Yeah. And people are really scared. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it makes me so sad. I I do feel though, like it's a, it's the blessing and the curse of like childhood trauma though. Like when, when like fear is something that you like, um, didn't have that original opportunity to decline. You got to get comfy in fear. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just like, it just happens. Like I, I think I talk about this with Andrew sometimes too. Like, you know, sometimes I'll, I feel like I'll do something that's like really brave 
and especially like given kind of my context and I'll, I'll tell him like, do you, or do you get like how brave this is? Like, do you get what this means for me? And he'll kind of go like, Oh my God, like, wait, how are you doing that? (laughs) And then I just feel like, well, it's hard, but also like, it makes me realize in that moment, like, I just know how to do this. Cause like that, that pain was never an option to not feel right. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. And for someone, for people who, I don't know, have had a certain measure of safety, there's probably a flip side to it where there's like a certain measure of danger that also makes you scared in a closed way. Yeah. I think I could see it going either way. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's those, I remember those kids who had, you know, from my perception anyway, the, the perfect house Yeah. and they were fearless but mm-hmm. then you'd see the opposite, you know, where yeah. they, somebody else had had the perfect house right. and they were scared of everything. So I, I, yeah, it's, it's so individual. God, what is it? Yeah. What is it? Is it teachable? Is it like, is it capturable? I just, I don't know. I feel like it would solve so many problems. I'll keep thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I've lived another 34 years, I'll ask myself again. Okay. So what happened in your career? What happened next? You, you, you made know, friends with all these artists and then what? Yeah. I mean, luckily, um, you know, like I said, the 25 thing, uh, have that rug pulled out from under you was tough. Yeah. And so it took me a while there. I went through a, a really bad marriage with somebody who was very unsupportive. Mm. Um, ended that, uh, again, decided I was walking away from it for a while. And then I met a friend and we started talking. We did this, you know, this typical armchair kind of like if we ran Marvel, if we ran DC, what would we do? And then one day we're just sitting talking and I was like, damn it, we should just do it. Let's just do a thing. And so he's like, you're right. And so we started self-publishing and luckily Image Comics picked up our book right out of the gate. And what was great is all these friends I'd made with all these artists, they all went, of course, we'll do you a solid. We'll do you a favor. We'll draw the book for you. Yeah. And so that's where everything kind of like ended up kind of like laying out like you're like, oh, all these relationships I worked on for so many years, these guys actually like me and want to work with me, Yeah, you know, even though I'm not necessarily a proven commodity. How old were you? At this point, I'm 32. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. What were you doing for work during like your 20s? Oh, I, I did so many, so many jobs, but probably my, the longest things I did were... I managed bookstores. So cool. for a long time, I was a, I was a wall books. Adjacent to it, though. I mean, did you feel like you were adjacent to it oh, like, yeah. in a good way? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can I can imagine that. What was it like to have that kind of like validation for like maybe kind of the first time in like your early 30s? Yeah. That's, um, that would feel I think that would feel devastatingly late to a lot of people. Uh, it doesn't feel like that to me. Right. <laughs> because for I am the same that age. It, I was... It, there was two motions. I was terrified of letting them down and then just moved beyond words yeah. of like, oh my God, these guys believe in me believe enough in me. Yeah. To, to help me. How did you like maintain faith during like this time that like you weren't feeling that? Because I was hard headed. Yeah. To be honest with you, it's just a persistent like I decided at 17, this is what I was doing and I knew I loved doing it so much that I would have done it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Without money, I would have still written comic books. Even if nobody ever drew them, I was going to continue writing comic books. Um, I really relate to that. How, how do you think about the idea of work 
then like if it like really though this is something that i puzzle over all the time like if it's something you do regardless of pay like how how do you think about like your work i mean luckily for me and i, and I actually enjoy some of the business side of things too of like how am i going to make this project profitable how am i going to put it out when am i going to put it out those kind of things because again it's a puzzle piece right yeah um Luckily for me, I'm at the point where I'm working on exactly what I want to work on. And so I'm blessed in a lot of ways that like I get to work on the characters and the stories that I want to write. And I don't have to worry about what anybody else thinks about them other than my collaborators. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's work and I do it all the time because I love it. But... It's not really work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. right. But like you still got to get paid for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I still yeah. got to put in the hours. I mean, you know, yeah. it, it, it is, you know, there are days where it's not coming, but you got to still sit down and right. try to get something done. Right. So you were self-publishing in your late 20s. And then when did you get your first, like, how old were you when your first book was published uh, through a publisher? Um, well, the, the one I did get one at 25, one issue. Okay. Um. Then again, you know, like there was a, a drought, yeah, yeah, a drought of seven years, and then DC Comics started their custom division. Like, in the custom division will be something like you write a promotional comic for the Superman movie, okay, stuff okay. like that. And so I had a friend there that was an editor. He hired me, and then I got to do a ton of great stuff for DC Custom, and it was like doing stuff for the Flash TV show and the Arrow TV show and person of interest. And I did get to do a thing for the Man of Steel. And then I was working for the NFL, you know, doing comic books for them. And so there was like all this cool stuff that I was doing, but isn't necessarily as high profile as the regular stuff. Um, I did get to do some Batman stuff. Oh yeah, it was fun. Did you feel like you got to play in a different way because it wasn't so mainstream? Yes, it was very... um, you had so many editors, so many people that would, you'd send in a story. And so the NFL team says something and the coach says something and the player that's in the thing says something. And then you've got editors and, you know, and like you're trying to make all these people happy. So then there's more puzzle pieces that you have to figure out how to mm-hmm. like, how do I put them together? Do you kind of, do you like it? I did. Yeah. yeah I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I love that kind of thing too. Like, how do we make it work? I feel like the only thing that like, that I get, um, stuck on like I think I think this is really true like if if I'm stuck on something it's because I don't have enough data to know how that puzzle piece is going to behave right that's like the one thing that I feel like if I have enough information like I'll figure it out but the sometimes the music industry is really unknowable right um and that that is something that it, it makes it difficult to you know be creative in a strategic kind of a way in that way, but then I ran into that a couple of times. There was yeah. one, um, what's a, there's a prank show that I did a comic book for and there was just too many voices. Mm. And since these guys were practical jokers and there's a creativity aspect to that. Yeah. By the time you turned in the first comic book, they had already come up with an idea of how to change it. Sure. Before you even turned it sure. in. Yeah. 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 And so they're like, Oh, what if we did this? Oh, wait a minute. What if we did this? Right. And they had that freedom in the show they worked in. Right. They're improvising. Right. Yeah. But I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Like, I'm, I'm not going to keep writing this over and over because I only get paid once. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So um, how did you start getting into writing like your own characters? Because I know that's something you're doing 
mostly now, oh, yeah. right? Pretty yeah. much exclusively, yeah. And I know you have like your one, your main partner, like, um, I don't want to miss anything in between, like, but like, how did you get into doing those things? You know, obviously DC Custom, I did that for about 10 years. At the same time, I was still dabbling in the creator-owned space. Yeah. And trying to figure out what that looked like. And at that point, I was I was trying too hard to write for the audience versus writing for me. And then I had this crazy idea about a serial killer and pitched it to the guy who I now work with on you know daily. Yeah. Um, and it was so strange and so odd that like I was just in love with it. And he fell in love with it. And so we started doing it, even though people were telling us, don't do this book. It's yeah. going to ruin your career. Oh my God. Why? Wait, why? Because just it was just so odd. True crime is weird or? It, well, I mean, it's about a serial killer who's in love with a blow up doll. Yeah. And people yeah. are like, oh my God, people are not going to respond well plastic? with that. plastic? Yeah, that's plastic. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'm impressed that you know that. <laughs> I, I got a file. I mean, I, I forgot some of the things, but like I was telling one of my students yesterday, I feel like remembering details about people is like my love language. <laughs> like, I feel like it probably makes me a good interviewer, especially like in the moment. But, but yeah, that's plastic. And how, when was that published? 2017. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And, and when that came out, I found my people. I know it sounds strange, but like people read it and loved it and it resonated with people and they went, please do more of this. It's like dark comedy in a comic book. Right. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, of course there's an audience for that. It seems like so natural and it seems insane that anybody would tell you that would ruin your career. Yeah. You know, I mean, even to this day, you'll be some of my favorite stories of being at a convention and having somebody come up and go, what's that about? They're not offended by the blood. They're not offended about serial killers. But if I mention blow up doll, mm-hmm. they'll have, they'll go, and this happened at one show. They talked to the organizer about having me kicked out. Are you kidding me? Because there's a blow up doll in my book. What? Now there's nudity everywhere. Right. Well, and like objectification right. of like actual women. Right. Yeah. But because there's a blow up doll in my book, that offends people. And to me, to that, to that, yeah. Now that's hilarious. When people react that way, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. This is so funny that this is the one thing in this con that's offending you. People are so weird. <laughs> I know. People are so weird. That's like lacking that creative thinking thing. Have oh, you, yeah. Did you, have you seen Lars and the Real Girl? Oh yeah. Loved yeah. it. Was, was it inspired in any part? Like, no, I'm, I'm upset that that came out just before my comic because Damn I had it. the idea yeah. before I saw the movie and I'm like, yeah. everybody's going to bring up Lars and the Real Girl, but you know. It's a great movie, so I don't mind that comparison. I, I, not that this is the same, but I, I started this podcast like six months before um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt started his podcast, Creative Processing. Yeah. And uh, I, I also felt like, I mean, it was before, but like no one, you know, I also just felt like, well, this is also what I'm doing. <laughs> like, right. Like, hey. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like, it's a great idea, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but also. One of the editors I work with regularly, he talks about being... You know, when stuff like that happens, it's you're you're tapped into the zeitgeist. Yeah. You know? um, Liz Gilbert wrote a whole book about it. Yeah. You, have you read that one? I haven't read it, but I've heard about Big it. Big Magic. Yeah. It's like this whole idea that like these ideas are almost like independent entities that just, I mean, they really do step on your shoulder and oh, knock yeah. on the door. And if you don't answer, there they go to Steven Spielberg. Yeah. You know, or whatever. <laughs> totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, it feels that way to me too. I, I, and th- that same thing happens with like in- inventions and like discoveries. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I don't know. I feel like it's like some kind of evidence for like shared consciousness or something. Oh, there's some kind of yeah, yeah, I'm with you. There's some kind of shared consciousness or universe. Something. And it's something. like, I think ideas are almost out there looking for somebody, and they're like, "Where's my right filter?" Yeah. 
So is Emily or Doug the right filter yeah. for this one? Maybe I'll give it to both of them and see what happens. Yeah, I love that idea. It makes the world feel so magical. Mm-hmm. I feel like people are always asking me, like, since I left Mormonism, like, what my, like, beliefs are. And I always feel like I'm, like, an atheist, but, like, I kind of believe in collective consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, magic. Maybe. I always tell everybody I'm agnostic. Yeah. I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, that's like you said definitely earlier, more accurate for how I feel. It's like I can come up with like a hundred different ways right now of how the universe works. Yeah. And probably none of them are right. Right. Well, and I guess if I say I think I'm an atheist, that means I'm agnostic. Yeah, right? that's, a, that's yeah. what like, I, you probably lean more towards. The only thing I'm that. sure of is that, like, I'm not sure of anything, but I find the world magical. <laughs> yes, like, that's exactly. the one thing I know. Yeah, the I'm one right thing there I know you. is it. It seems like a magical place, and like, there's got to be something going on. But yep. yeah, but do I believe in like God? Like, no, not in any kind of active way. But also, like, who knows, man? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it possible? Of course it is. I don't know. Yeah. We'll talk yeah. Yeah. later on if that's the truth. Sure. Right. <laughs> like, like, uh, this is a like this is a living document. Yes. Like, exactly. Subject to change. Subject to new data. Um. Okay. So talk about plastic. Like, I mean, what? How did it feel to have like this? Because this is like maybe not the first thing, but like. Uh, kind of a significant thing. Yeah, it was a breakthrough moment for me. Yeah. Um, it was such a weird one because like I said, you know, we have half people are telling us don't put it out. The people that love it, love it. And so I'm like, okay, that's exactly what Brian told me I need to be doing. They either need to love it or hate it. So this seems like it's the right path. Mm. It comes out, it's hands down my most successful book to the to that date. Um, I'm blown away by the the, the reaction to it. And... You know, again, I've talked about that I'm a slow learner. Um, it drove home that I should be writing for me yeah. and my collaborators. Yeah. If we love it, surely somebody else will. Yeah. And if they don't, that's okay. Yeah. But it needs to be what we want, what we want to read, what we want to look, mm-hmm. what would make us laugh, yeah. those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. And it drove that point home and made me go, you need to stop doing anything that's not that. Right. It seems so obvious, but... It's so complicated too. Like yes. when it's your livelihood, you have to think about the, the market. We live in capitalism. Like it, um, I always come to the same conclusion too. Like it has to be what I would be psyched about. Yes. But, but explaining that to someone else always feels a little like, let's not talk about it. Like yeah. I, can't, uh, I, I can't defend this to you. <laughs> like to all this I know day, is I need to make it. Yeah. To yeah. this day, I get monthly bi-monthly calls going, do you have the next John Wick? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm not trying to duplicate John Wick. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, and that goes back to the capitalism where I think people go, well, maybe I should be working on the next John Wick and not what I want to work on. Yeah. 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 Because that's, you know, driving force. Yeah. It's, it's takes a lot of bravery and also like it feels really stupid sometimes. Like it feels like it feels reckless to me sometimes, Yeah. but also like undeniable, like there's no other way to be. But I also sometimes feel like, I don't know what train I'm on. No, you know, like I had no idea. So plastic was a couple of years ago. And then is, is vinyl done? Yes. Vinyl is done. Vinyl yep. Like it's not, a, is it a sequel? It's, I didn't ask yes you about this no. before, but it's like ma- they're both materials. So like this. Right. And, and we're calling it, we're working on what we call a material trilogy. Cool. 
And so there's plastic vinyl, and then we're already working on the third one, which hasn't been announced yet. Okay. Um, but vinyl, the trade comes out next, I think it's next, no, it's the 20th. So it's funny that you said that because I just got them in the mail yesterday. Yeah. And oh so we gosh. did finish it up at six issues. And um, it's in the same universe. Yeah, so we've I been was going to say, it's got to be the same it's in some kind of a shared universe. Yes. And so cool. we're calling it the plastic verse right now. Oh, I love it. That's and, amazing. And just more serial killer. Polycarbonate. Yeah. Dark, dark, next. <laughs> dark comedy <laughs> nonsense. You know, just stuff we love doing. Wow. Do you want to say anything else about, uh, do you want to talk about vinyl? Do you want to talk about your collaborator? I forgot his name. Daniel Hilliard. Okay. Yeah. I'd love, I'd love to hear about that. I'd love to hear about what it feels like to be like building out a universe. Like, what are you psyched about, about it? I mean, Daniel, first off, is is fantastic. He's an Englishman that lives in Spain. Um, wow. We just kind of accidentally bumped into each other working on a project and found out we had the same sensibilities and decided we wanted to do more work together. Cool. And then we found out that both of us like this kind of like dark comedy, horror kind of universe kind of thing that we bumped into. And once we bumped into plastic and people loved it and we went, we want to do more. And then I kind of had the inklings of the idea for vinyl, which was all based on kind of like a Justice League of serial killers. Cool. And so we jumped into that and it was the same, like it's different, but it's kind of got the same feel yeah. as, as plastic um, and just jumped full speed into it. And, and we've said, we're going to keep doing it until people tell us to stop. Cool. I'm into it. Plastic verse. I love that. I love a theme. I'm so into a theme. Um, do you want to talk about the visuals? Like, do, do they, how do you feel about them? Like, did you guys talk about a color palette? Like, well, that, that's an interesting one because when I first came up with plastic, Daniel was not, his style was not what I had envisioned. Mm. Um, a much darker, grittier style is what I was thinking. And he's got more of like a, a animated, playful kind of thing. Yeah. I, we've seen some, I've seen pictures of it. I need to buy it. Sorry. I'm <laughs> I sorry that it to I you. haven't. No, of I want to buy it. And, um, and he, he just brought this feel to the dark comedy side of it that I didn't expect that was perfect. It's so cool. It right. looks really cool. It just fit perfectly. So I was like, oh, yeah, we can do crazy violence, but it'll be so cartoony. It's like pretty, yeah, and like stylized. Like, isn't there a lot of like pink in it? Like, oh, yeah, like especially in plastic. The photos that I've seen are like, there's a lot of pink. It's like, looks. it looks really like wholesome and like fun and kind of girly maybe even well, and, and the 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 colorist on that one is laura martin who's been a mm -hmm. friend of mine for years and probably she's probably the best colorist in the industry what is a colorist they come in and so art the artist he just does pencils and inks are you kidding me no so it's just I black don't and know white anything <laughs> and so he didn't hire a colorist to come in and they wow. they do all the coloring oh my god and then like after that you've got a letterer and who he, does all the lettering wow that's crazy to think about that's crazy to think about. Um, so did you guys talk with her about what the colors? Like, did you give her any like restrictions? We didn't really give her restrictions as much as my, when I start working with somebody, I usually say, I want you to go so far that you make me pull you back. Yeah. That's my only piece. That's mm. like my only edit. Like I say that to my students all the time. Yeah, that's so funny. Don't, don't hold back. Yeah, Do what like, you want. And then we'll work with what you threw down. Mm. I love saying, like, I dare you to go too far. Yeah, exactly. Like I say it to my students all the time, like, I dare, I dare you. you to do too much. And that's what we did yeah. on, that, on that book and on vinyl and on a new one. Like, and, and Laura oh. brought this stuff back and she, like, made the pages all, they, they look like they're dirty. Wow. Like, instead of having white. Amazing. Yeah, like, and she just got, did this amazing dream coloring. dream team. That's oh, yeah. so cool. And what does it feel like to create the universe? 
Oh, like, it's, you know, we didn't set out to create a universe yeah. and then vinyl came out. That was now, that's now my most successful book to date. And, you know, then we started talking about a universe and you're like, so we're going to do a universe based on serial killers who may or may not be good guys. Yeah. Like, how do you, you know, and so yeah. there's so many, like, what can we do with that and how much fun can we have with it? Yeah. And, that's, um, that's so interesting because I then love, it just becomes like, it's a puzzle builder's dream, right? A universe, a universe. Yeah, it goes, I feel like it goes back to like your dad and like the paper, like it's yours. Yes. You make the rules. And yeah. what's fun about it is, as, I mean, if you do any research in serial killers, most of them, not all of them, obviously, but most of them. I'm really into true crime. Blend into society. Yeah. You, they're, they're your neighbor. You wouldn't yeah. know. And so you're like, okay, well, wait a minute. What if that person's a serial killer and what would they do? And yeah. then what would make them do something for the good? Right. Versus that, just like, killing motivation people. question. Right. Like, here's the thing. Can I weave the backstory? Can right. I like reverse engineer something that seems plausible? That's so interesting. Um, I have another question about your writing. Do you like, what do you feel like? Do you have like a typical process of like thinking about the illustration, thinking about the character development, thinking about the narrative, like thinking about the actual words? Like, do you feel like these things like do you is it linear? Like, have you gone through phases in your career, like leaning into different parts or like how do you break down like all the components? I, I used to try to sit down and write the perfect page right out of the gate. And then I realized as I was writing bigger things that I needed to have smaller steps because get yourself into trouble right, by the end. You're intimidated, right? Yeah. Like, Oh, I don't know if I can start on this. Um, it's so big. I, sure. I can't see the big, and I call it horizon gazing, you know, mm -hmm. like you're looking at the finished product versus I need to be worried about the panel I'm right. working on right now. Right. And so my process is very detailed um, and probably a little bit too, well, it works for me, so I'm not going to say that. Yeah, systematic is right. great. Yeah, And so just breaking it down into smaller steps, to me, I actually start out with like, here's one paragraph about the story. Okay, here's three paragraphs about the mm -hmm. story. Okay, here's 10 pages of the story. Now let me break that down by issue. Now let me break that down by panel. Okay, now let me write the panel. And how does the dialogue work with this, this visual? And you always do it like that? Yes. Cool, that's cool. Um, let's like maybe just finally talk about like, uh, when, when you came in, we were talking about like presenting as an artist. And for me, some, cause I'm systematic like this too. Like I'm, I'm writing an album, but I'm using spreadsheets. Like right. that's just also how my brain is. You got to take a Myers-Briggs test. Like <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I know what, I feel like I know what you are. They say Myers-Briggs is bullshit, but I'm still curious about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, does this like systematic, like nature of yours, like, and or any other things like do you ever do you ever feel like pressure to like present yourself as an artist in a different way to like be an artist in a different way like do you have any like of those kinds of things yeah i mean when you talk about the presenting thing and like most people when i say i'm a comic writer are surprised oh you're creative yeah they think, I think you're too norm core yeah i'm too norm i look too normal i think for most you know than creatives. And so you're like, wait a minute, do I look too normal? I also usually do, which is part of the reason my hair is fuchsia. Yeah. Cause then I'm like, I, it will at least cut off, cut off like some of the questions right. that I usually have to field. 
Well, I think that's interesting to me because like I grew up, my father was in the army. So there's very like, what's your gig line? You know, is, is a line on your shirt, your belt and your zipper all mm-hmm. on a perfect line. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I spent so many years as a, as a bookstore manager that there was a, you had to present professionally. Yeah. And if I would, in those days, if I would have presented as weird, that would have been a problem. That would have been right. detrimental to my career. Right. Um, and now I'm getting a little bit more like, hey, I want to be perceived more as a, a creative, not just a normal guy walking down the street. Yeah. And so where you're coming with fuchsia hair, I'm, you know, I'm, I'll never be able to get my hair long because it's just a, there's something in my Sounds head. Sounds like that's it's time like, for a nose ring. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> Tattoos. For, for me, I have found I love button up short sleeve shirts. Mm-hmm. And so I'm on a quest to find the weirdest ones I can find. Yeah. And so I've, I've so far in this journey of like, I've been on this for about three years, I've only found five. Mm. And, and I, they can't be similar. Yeah. They can't have the same wow, thing. That's systematic too. Yeah. I won't tell. Okay. It's on a podcast. And they can't be symmetrical. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Listen, I feel so similarly, like I go to therapy every Tuesday, every Thursday at noon. And like I, the frequency with which I talk to my therapist about like art presentation and like art identity and like how much of this, like, is it my responsibility to like present in mm-hmm. an accurate way? How much of this, like, cause I feel similarly, like I used to teach at BYU. Um, I've just been like like when you were talking about being the bookstore manager, like I feel like I also like have just learned how to be really comfortable in like certain kinds of spaces in certain kinds of conversations and certain kinds of clothing. And then I'm just like, but it like this question of like, is that what my identity is like supposed to be? Yeah. Also feels like really creative and really weird and Mm -hmm. very like very backward and strange sometimes. Um, I feel like I always try to ask artists about this. And if people go back and listen to like my earlier episodes, I tried to ask artists about this more often. And I feel like so many artists were just like baffled by the question that I like stopped (laughs) asking it. But it's something I think about a lot of like, you know, what's the thing and what's the presentation of the thing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. That also feels like this artifice question to me. I I think it is. I think um, you can't deny Lady Gaga. Right. Right. I mean, undeniable. I, like right. she is walking, moving, breathing artwork. Yes. And she embraced that and is 100%, I think, her true authentic self. And she's not afraid to let the sparkly out yeah. it, for everyone to see in any moment, yeah. any time. And that takes, obviously, we can talk about the bravery that that kind of stuff takes. But you're right. Like, I think creatives, we want that. But then again, the world kind of keeps us like, hey, wait a minute, that's too... Yeah, it's an impossible... Right. That's It's too much. It's not enough. Right. Like, it is so bizarre. And like, yeah, you don't act like enough of an artist. You act like too much of an artist. Like, it's just so weird. Do you, do you have any other thoughts just in general about like, you know, not medium specific, but or, or could be, but just what it means to you to be an artist? Like, Do you think art's important? Like, what are your oh. philosophies about this stuff. I mean, for me, I think it's more integral to humans than they have any clue. Yeah. I couldn't Um, agree more. I mean, look at the, the success of, of TV and film. I mean, without that, what are we, what are we books, pictures? I mean, we can go into, you know, 
yes, there's there's more niche markets like comics and poetry, those kind of things where not, that isn't for everyone. Yeah. But without art, I'm not sure where we're at. Yeah. Like, I just think... It's like the one thing that sets our species apart. Right. Like, they they say... Like, I was just listening to something, like, last week. Like, the the one thing that's really unique about humans is, like, we are conscious of our own eventual demise. Mm-hmm. Like, we know we're going to die. And because of that, we think a lot about, like, how we're going to spend our time and, like, what we're going to do. And I feel like a lot of, like creativity kind of stems from that like this idea of like limited time and this idea of like what will I make of my time here like what will I see what will I try what will I experience what stories can I tell what stories will I receive um yeah and I think like I don't know I I feel like it's a more it's like moral (laughs) for me a little bit Mm -hmm. like like being creative like feels like a morality question to me (laughs) do you feel like that too not as much. I mean, you know, I had for me, like I said, I've always been so weird that and, and and even my morality is more in line with the Chris Evans version of Captain America yeah. in the in those films. Like you do the right thing, period. Yeah. And I got that from comics and my dad. So that, you know, yeah. that makes sense. But like creativity is just such an ingrained thing into me that I have to do. Yeah. That I don't even really think about it as morality as mm-hmm. much as just like I'm you talk about experiencing life. I, I couldn't experience life without it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think the part that feel, feels moral to me is more like that observation stuff, the curiosity. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think like being curious about things and people feels it, it would feel immoral to me to, to not be curious, <laughs> to not investigate. But um yeah, like so in that sense it feels to me like there's this purpose there, but then like sometimes I also feel like it's just like a I don't know, like if if it doesn't matter to some people like does it need to? Like yeah. I don't know, I get myself in knots about those kinds of things. Again, can you teach that? You know, like can you convince somebody that they need to pay a little bit more attention and be more empathetic? Yeah. I don't know. You know, that's Well, the best conclusion that I can come to is for, for whatever reason, whether it's like genetic or innate or whether we got it from childhood trauma and like <laughs> having to observe adults in a different way, like who knows. But, um, you know, for whatever reason, that's something that we can do yeah. as a skill. I feel like that like observation thing is like a skill. And, you know, maybe there are people in the world who like want, they want those perspectives, but don't have the skill of like capturing them. Yes. So, I mean, that's, I feel like that's the best it's the best solution I can come up with for yeah. like, you know, w- what is the, I know what the value is for me, mm-hmm. but what is the value like for others? And I feel like that's, I think that's where the art part comes in. I, I think that's right. I think, I think there are people who don't want to do or can't do this the, observation the thing. thing we do, yeah. the thing or the illustration right. or writing. Yeah. And the it is thing. kind of up to us to do that for them. Yeah. And convey it in a way that they'll enjoy it and experience life and yeah. make them happy. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, us. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I mean, just hey, kidding, but not, also no, kind no, of not. No weight there, right? <laughs> hey, just help the world. That's what I meant. Like, it's moral. Like, that feels kind of moral. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean. It is an obligation, right? I mean, if we talk about it that way. I guess so. But then it's like, but then, like, I'll be like, what am I 
actually doing though? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my new album is about like my, my, I can't remember if we talked about this last time we were here or if I had, if I hadn't started talking about it yet, cause it's new enough, it won't be out till October, but I'm releasing like one single at a time, Oh, nice! but it's a concept record. It's called the hallowed wide, the sacred space. Um, the hallowed wide is like the fantasy term that I have given to like the sacred space between people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so my whole record is like a, an exploration of like what it takes, what it means to like know someone, what it means to love someone. Like I write, write about trust and like intimacy. Um, and like, you know, that feels like it has some purpose, you know, but, uh, but it's also like an alternative pop record. So, you know, (laughs) I don't know. Hey, <laughs> you never know. You never yeah. know what your stuff's going to do and what kind of impact it's going to have. You know, you can say it's just a pop record or whatever, but yeah. like, do you know how many people Taylor Swift has impacted it's true. in a positive way it's True. with something as simple as, you know, look what you made me do. Right. Or, you know, some of her songs are just like fun and like mm-hmm. uplifting and like, I'm going to be me no matter what. I can't remember what the name of that song is that she know. talks about, yeah. but like. Lady Gaga is the same way. Pink, you know, all these people that have, you know, you could say are doing pop records and I can't believe you just say just pop, but I know it is looked down on by a lot of people. Um, But that's unfair. It's like meta thing too. Like with like someone like Pink and Lady Gaga too, like I'm all of Taylor Swift as well. Like even if you had never heard the music, there's something powerful in someone advocating for their individuality in that Mm. way. There's something powerful in just like that sheer, like display of bravery. Um, I don't know, like even just out of context, it's like in and of itself, it's kind of like a testament to something, you know, so it's something, it's, it's something to observe. I mean, to me, it's for those kind of, those, to see those kind of people that can be their authentic self and just put it out there. Um, they're like a, I'm like a moth to flame to them. Yeah. I love it. Final question on this. Okay. Um, do you think like authenticity is not fixed? I don't feel like I need to ask that. I feel like that's (laughs) something like we're just going to agree on. Do you feel like there's like a, do you feel like there's a, a risk of like getting trapped in like one time of authenticity? I think you could. Yeah. I think very, I mean, just even looking back at my career, I could have gotten stuck in doing the DC custom stuff where all I was doing was pleasing other people Yeah, and not found this, yeah. oh, wait a minute, you need to be writing for you yeah, and creating this kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, you could get easily get stuck in that and, and be happy in it. Yeah. I mean, you could. Sure. Right. That's a good point. And but I do think artists, artists are always evolving and people sometimes get so angry about it. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, isn't that kind of the thing too? Like, it's yeah. just, I don't know. If, if you're, to me, I've always felt like if I'm not evolving, then I've reached the end. Yeah. That's and that scares, that scares the hell out of me. Yeah. It's like if that <laughs> curiosity isn't there anymore, like yeah. what is left? If yeah. I'm not pushing myself, if I'm not doing something that scares me, uh, yeah. I, I feel like I would be like terrified. I'd be like, well, it's over. Yeah. What scares you right now? <laughs> Honestly, it's still the same. I mean, am I doing, is the work good enough? Yeah. Am, or, you know, have I gone too far? Because <laughs> you know, I think that's always, you know, and, the, and what I'm working in mm-hmm. with the dark comedy serial mm-hmm. killer stuff, mm-hmm. you're like, um, are people going to think I went too far on this particular yeah. page or those kind of things? And it's yeah. just those kind of things. Breaking Bad exists. And, yes. you know, I mean, there's plenty of stuff that goes pretty far oh yeah so it's like 
<laughs> I don't know. You're like in, you're in good company there. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. Interesting. Um, is there anything else you want to say about like what you're looking forward to? Like I'll ask my two like little closer questions, but is there, is there anything else that's kind of left unsaid? No, honestly, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm working on the projects I want to work on and everything's going great. And I'm, I'm just focused on getting things done. Well, I'm really looking forward to polycarbonate. Thanks. Coming out soon. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> I am excited to hear what the third, the third, uh, third title is. So I'll, I'll, I'll be waiting. Okay. Um, okay. I ask everybody, what is your dream collaboration? Uh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, because I, I feel like I'm doing it. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, working with Daniel and some of the artists and other artists I'm working with, uh, I'm, I'm living it. Yeah. So I don't have like, oh, I need to work with Steven Spielberg or anything like that. Mm. Um, you know, I have dreams of maybe working on a, a TV show, yeah. like a Netflix TV show or something like that. But to any, be honest, like, oh, go ahead. Any, are, any like favorite directors or, but you could finish what you're saying or favorite actors. Like who would you? Uh, and I'll, you know, do you want to cast in your, in your, in your I've been show? lucky to meet a lot of great actors and actresses too, which has been kind of cool. So like, I don't know. And, you know, to be honest with you, like I, you know, there's some hero worship and, you know, sure. that old saying of like, you never want to meet your heroes. So I, I worry about that. Yeah. Like, but you know, there's just so many great ones and, you know, like, um, you know, uh, what can I, th- uh, Charlize Theron. She's I just adore her. Incredible. Yes. I think she's really nice. Yeah. I think I've she's only nice. I've heard really good things about her. And I think she, I think she and I would hit off on one thing that we're both perfectionist about delivering the best thing you possibly can mm-hmm. and putting your ego aside to mm-hmm. make that happen. So cool. Um, I think I would have fun working with somebody like the rock just because he seems like he's so much fun. He's wonderful. Yeah. Who doesn't love him? Yeah. I feel like I tried not to. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> I feel like, like I was like, who is this guy? And then I was like, okay, he's I so, love you. I mean, he's funny and he yeah. just seems like he's a genuine person who cares yeah. about other people. So I think, you know, that would be fun. Yeah. Um, director and stuff. I mean, that one's a tough one. Yeah. You know, it's just. What about music? Music? Any, any favorite uh, score composers? Oh, I mean, well, you know, is it Horner? James Horner, right? I don't know. I um, should know. I mean, there's so many. I just of them. thought you were going to say Danny Elfman. No. Oh, well, Danny yeah. Elfman's fantastic. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, you know, I would. The funny thing is, I'd want to sit down with him and talk about Oingo Boingo. You know, so like I don't know what that is. That's the band he was in before he became. Oh, yeah. So you have to listen. Danny yeah. Elfman. Before, yeah. I bet it's weird. Oh, it is. It's yeah. awesome. It is so awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I don't. My aspirations are to to create great comics, yeah. and I'm doing that with the the creators I want to work with. So I'm amazing. I'm pretty happy. Yeah. That's amazing. I love it. Okay. Tell everybody where to find your work. Um, you can find me easy on Facebook. You know, just look up Doug Wagner. Usually it's Doug.Wagner13. Okay. Um, Instagram. I also do LinkedIn. Uh, for some reason, I have a good following there. And uh, Twitter as well. Cool. Um, my website is Shocknoggin. So what is that? What is it? I didn't ask you last time. What is Shocknoggin? <laughs> when we were, I was in a studio with a bunch of artists for a long time. And we all had to come up with strange super hot powers. And so we came up with them for each other. Mm. And so one of my friends always made a fun of the fact that my head's big. And I, that I had Rude. a shocking <laughs> large noggin. How 
rude. And so Shock Noggin <laughs> became my superhero it. name. It has a great, like, I forget the word, but like, it's not alliteration, but when the vowels are the same. Right. Assonance, maybe, is I what it's called. Remember. I don't yeah. I'm into it, though. Yeah. It feels good. Shock and like the k and the g are like yeah. in the same place, <laughs> like linguistically. Noggin. Like, yeah. it feels good. Um, Oh, where can people buy the books? Any any bookstore. You Anywhere. can go on Barnes and Noble, Amazon, any comic book shop, of course. You know, I prefer if you buy them from a comic book shop because those guys, you know, they're all independently owned. Do you making have any like, local recommendations? Who, oh, you yeah. Know, so like, uh, the Nerd Store here as well store. as Black Cat Comics. Both of those cool. are wonderful stores. Awesome. Well, Doug, thank you so much for coming back. It means so much to me. <laughs> and pleasure. I'm so excited for my listeners to hear this interview, which is you're sure Still this recording. <laughs> yeah. I've been keeping an eye on it. Yeah. Cause like when the screen would go dark like this, yeah. then I like assume it's recording. Like, cause I, you don't, I don't hear anything different, but no, I like, I got eyes on it. I have learned my lesson. <laughs> well, if that's all I've ever done for you in life, I'm that's, that's my gift to you. you. Have just, you're so delightful. Like you're so sparkly. I just like, I, it's a joy to know you. And I'm, I'm excited for my listeners to, to finally hear the, our last interview was supposed to come out in like January and I was like excited you know so anyway I'm glad you're back thank you my pleasure my pleasure thanks for listening to Artifice our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel if you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast you can reach me through my website emilymerrellmusic.com that's E-M-I-L-Y M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.